It um, was about a show about changing our minds, but we decided that was probably too much. That's almost even. That's almost too much, and it, we don't even go there. We we change our minds a lot, but we're not yeah. out to change your minds. That's we are right. definitely out to introduce to introduce reasonable doubt into our friends and loved ones' minds because I think if you have the facility to to recognize and. Um, um, entertain reasonable doubt, that means that you have cognitive liberty. Oh, what, cognitive sovereignty. What's that all about? Um, cognition Thinking has to do with yourself? your mind, and sovereignty has to do with you owning what you're thinking about rather than somebody else managing what you're thinking about. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're definitely a show about changing our minds. We're a show about peeking outside of our various reality bubbles and making sure that we're not thinking the way we experience reality is the only way that reality is out there. But we're also... I think more and more and more we describe ourselves as a show about introducing a conversation around introducing reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt in which what? Which is a legal term. So um, you can have two kinds of of um, defenses in court mm. um, to be very not not very technical. So if if someone takes you to court and they they are claiming something, yeah, you can have two kinds of defenses. From my experience watching. Um, cop shows oh <laughs> that one of them like sherlock holmes one of them is you you find evidence that proves the story beyond or, a reasonable doubt or the other one is you find evidence that that suggests the story is true yeah but they have to find you guilty beyond a reasonable doubt for you to be Considered right. Guilty. Okay. So that's what I'm trying to say is like either you prove that it's true beyond reasonable doubt or the man gets off free because of reasonable doubt. So if right. you could introduce reasonable doubt. So here's the okay. main story. They should be able to prove their story. This man slept with my wife right. beyond the shadow of a doubt. Maybe it was just a bunch of circumstantial evidence. Exactly. So yeah. if you can prove that he slept with my wife beyond reasonable doubt. DNA. Then that's 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 the thing. But okay. but what the defense wants to do is, is introduce. introduce reasonable doubt to the story, right. which is what we do to the story all the time. Somebody says, this is the one true story. He slept with my wife. And we're like, well, but... This credit card receipt shows that he was buying ice cream for himself right. and his kids at that time. We don't necessarily know, but we're introducing reasonable doubt to the story that the only story is that he slept with my wife. Does that make so, sense? So, yeah, that's where I was getting tied up is it's okay, two things. Okay, yes, it's two things. The right. prosecution has to prove their story Beyond is true, a reasonable doubt. Yeah. Beyond a reasonable doubt. And the defense wants to come in and Create, introduce yeah. reasonable doubt so that people are not so sure about the evidence. That's what we do. Yeah. So, uh, and the main Shaking narrative, the main case that I've been focused on in the last almost two years has been the what I call the coronavirus narrative. Narrative? That's right. You conspiracy theorist. There's a story about the coronavirus. There's several stories, but there's like <laughs> the big story that has the oomph of a lot of money of the corporate uh, elite, political elite, media elite. So there's a main story about the coronavirus narrative, and we have been finding other evidence yeah. that makes the official coronavirus narrative it introduces It introduces reasonable doubt into the official prosecution story. And why would I, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to introduce reasonable doubt in the story that people have made their Facebook profile circle? Yeah, why? Why would defined you do by? that? Why would I want to do that? Why would you do that? Well... I think that's an important question to answer because otherwise people might just assume you're an asshole and a rebel for no reason. And you for don't, no reason. You don't care about people's lives. Why would I spend a majority of my week doing 
investigations into evidence that seems to indicate that the mainstream corporate narrative of the coronavirus is not true. Mm, yeah, why, why would I do that? Why? Um, because I think it's a life and death situation. I think when we were way back when, when we were on the radio, right. we <laughs> often talked about how we started off with, yeah, cat in the curve, let's not be assholes, let's not spread a virus. And then very soon afterwards, we started looking at the story. We educated ourselves on what is a virus? What is a coronavirus? Mm-hmm. How do viruses work? What is herd immunity? How do we? How do you protect your immune system? Blah, blah. So we started educating ourselves, and then suddenly the official narrative started to feel really weak. Right. And then they we st- had moments of reasonable doubt. You Absolutely. know, like in the beginning, quote unquote, beginning from like March to May of 2020. Bleach your bananas. Yeah. If you're not like putting your cereal into a sterile container out on your porch with gloves on and then bringing it inside after a period of time in the cold, you don't really care about protecting people from this virus. And then for me, my moment of reasonable doubt was when Butte Silverbow Schools announced that um, in light of the fact that children, many children only get food when they come to school and have a school lunch, um, Butte Silverboat announced that kids could come and pick up their usual free school lunch as long as they had an adult with them. And that just went like in my brain. Something's because, gone awry. Because I know that the whole problem is a ton of these children don't have a reliable or available adult to go with them to get food. That's a problem. And so I was like, now, wait a second. I suddenly realized that even though I was having an, a perfectly fine pandemic experience, staying home with my favorite person who does not abuse me and who I enjoy spending time with, a lot of other people were not having a good time, a perfectly fine pandemic experience. Staying, no, it was fear inducing. It was suddenly like, oh, staying home for a few weeks is actually really unhealthy for a lot of people. They don't have passive income or income that they don't have to leave the house for. They don't have they don't know how to cook. A lot of people don't didn't know how to because they'd only ever gotten like food at school or food at work or um, food to go. You know, we got a so lot like, of dysfunction in our society. Yeah, we have a lot of dysfunction in our society. And that realization about the kids that oh, there are kids who are stuck at home with people who abuse them. And the only way we ever find out about it is because they go to school and their teacher reports something suspicious about their behavior or about bruises or something like that. And they're not having that supervision anymore. And so I started realizing how horrifying these ongoing lockdowns. And that was my introduction of reasonable doubt into questioning the mainstream story that the best thing that we can do for everyone is to just stay home. Yeah, we had early treatments in early 2020. There were different protocols where people had tried some stuff out and said, you know what, we can do some early treatments and keep people from going to the hospital. And all that got put on hold as we waited for a vaccine. Mm. They're like, nope, we're just going to take care of it with a one-shot one shot wonder. We're going to take care of it. So don't worry about early treatments. People were like, I got COVID. They're like, wait till you have to go to the hospital. And then they would come in and they they give them drugs that killed their kidneys and then put them on a respirator mm-hmm. to collapse their lungs. And then they would die and say, oops, covid Even though for almost two years we have had protocols of cheap drugs that are keeping people from getting seriously ill with the disease, which means we didn't need an emergency use authorization for a unproven, untested um, experimental vaccine. It is still in the experimental phase. We are still in three uh, phase three trials. You're if you are participating in those trials, you're a participant in a trial. Yeah. 
a trial that you have signed away your right to prosecution for if it goes wrong. So for me, my moment of reasonable doubt was when... The very first one? Maybe the first one was when they started talking about lockdowns. First, it was the mask because that became political for some reason. A right. medical thing became political. I'm like, how does that become political? You walk and then, through the grocery store and you see someone with a mask off and probably, you think, probably Republican. Yeah. And That's I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't make medical sense. So what the hell's going on in our country right. where the mask has become political? So we looked into it. And then we see all our health authorities saying, don't wear masks. It's, it's a respiratory virus. Don't wear masks. That's not going to help you. Mm-hmm. And then a week later, they're all like, totally wear masks. And I'm like, but dark science, science doesn't change that fast. Doesn't it, though? Nope. In the light of a novel no, virus? That was a, that's when I started to be able to delineate between a policy decision and a scientific or medical decision. Mm. And the mask thing was not based on, on science or medicine. Yeah. It was based on political policy. So our health authorities yeah. were delivering political messages which that did not have anything and then told us to believe the science. Trust science. Or in so, this case, um, respect That's schizophrenic doc- and respect, that's gaslighting. Respect Dr. Fauci as the representative of science. I am science. He is science. So so what do Dark and I bring to the table in all yeah. of this? Um, we're not just wackadoodles out here poking holes in things for no reason. Um, we both grew up in uh, groups that demonstrated cultish thinking. Um, I would probably go so far as to say the group Dark grew up in was an actual cult. Very much a cult. And many people would call it a cult. Yeah. I grew up an, a conservative, reformed, evangelical Christian, which is not a cult. It's a denomination of a major world religion. Um, but the behavior that I experienced in the version of Christianity that I grew up in was cult-like. Um, and in that you weren't allowed to question. There, were, there was an ultimate authority that represented everything true. You can't trust your intuition or your knowledge about the world. You just have to do what you're told. Um, these various practices and behaviors, as I slowly broke out of them over the last five years, I still know how to recognize them in other groups. And so when, oh. pe- when people started looking at their neighbors at the grocery store and identifying them as a member of the good guys or not a member of the good guys because they were wearing a mask or not, I'm like, this is cult-like behavior that those very well-meaning people might not recognize because they'd never experienced it before. They just feel like they're joining a meaningful team. Now, we're not anti-mask. We're not anti-lockdown. We're not anti-science. We're not anti-vax. We are Too much energy. No, 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 no. We care about people being able to think for themselves and do what's healthiest for them. And I care about people making decisions because it's based in evidence and not because it's something that they feel very strongly about or they're afraid that if they don't do it, they'll become unloved. We have Darren Anthony tuning in from Ireland. Ireland. Darren Anthony, um, what's going on in Ireland? Yeah, tell us how things are in Ireland and what your experience is like over there. Uh, and you can use any t- any uh, aspect of your life to tell us about that. We're kind of interested in what's going on because I know different countries are um, handling the mm-hmm. pr- the narrative differently. Australia is an extreme version of how they're handling the narrative. Uh, and I hear Ireland's got a, a hefty amount of resistance to some of the strong-handed tactics towards mandates, mm. the drive towards mandates. So maybe if you you could tell us a little bit about what's going on in Ireland with, yeah. with your coronavirus narrative. We love having foreign correspondents on the show. Um, last year we had a lot of 
uh, information and input from a friend of the show, Astrid Selling in Sweden. She would check in with us every week and let us know. Uh, Sweden handled things really beautifully. They made some mistakes at the beginning with how they took care of the old people, um, but we all already knew that the elderly, the extremely elderly and the sick were going to be the ones most affected by a new virus. This is how it works every time a new virus hits the planet. Um, But once they'd kind of fixed that arrangement, they were like, look, we're going to do daily debriefings on the news with scientists, not politicians for the people to know what we're learning, what we're realizing. And so the people got to stay updated on what was changing and being discovered about this new coronavirus rather than just hearing one story in March of 2020. A political story. And just thinking that's the whole story forever and a day. And that, you know, like I still have friends who are like, we just really don't know what's going on with the coronavirus. And we just need to be safe because it's just it's just so new. We just don't know what's going on. I'm like, bro, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. We like a lot of other countries Boy. actually know what's going on. Israel yeah. keeps really great data. Israel keeps really great data, whatever yeah, you, you could, think. You could know. Darren Anthony says he's not sure uh, that we're ready for that answer. About Ireland? About Ireland or how they found post-Orthodoxy. Because mm. he hasn't asked either of those questions. But yeah. we, we're, I think we're ready for whatever your answer is. We're not easily offended. Unless he's maybe he's working for the CIA maybe. and that's the... And he can't say anything. Maybe somebody well, sent it to him. We're ready like, for the answer. You got to join this show. These assholes are so dumb. Please go say stupid shit to them because they blocked me. Them. Yeah, yeah, we don't mind trolls. We we haven't been heavily trolled. He's we, using like really good grammar for a troll. Yeah, we keep um, this chatbot in the middle. It was designed in order for us to have conversations. Yeah, we've had uh, we've been on the air with this style of doing a show for over a year, and oh. we haven't really had any problems with. Yeah. People. Well, we've had the chatbot for since before post orthodoxy was born. We had the chatbot with copacetic conversations with oh, Mokai. We did? Yeah. So, yeah, it's been around for a long time and because we want to have the conversation. Yeah. Um, and now there are times, like, there was some guy that came on on Twitch and was just like typing a ton of poop emojis and talking. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to quote you on air. It's yeah. not really relevant We're to the conversation. We're not going to say poop, 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 poop. poop. <laughs> he just did, though. Oh, uh, God, he got me. <laughs> three weeks later. <laughs> um, uh, but um, now it's very interesting because part of the history of post-Orthodoxy is that we were um, censored from discussing coronavirus data on the radio station and then gagged by the station manager from telling our audience that he told us we could not discuss coronavirus data anymore. Censorship and on then, top of censorship. And then when we told our audience on the side on Facebook that we'd been told we couldn't talk with them about coronavirus data anymore and we were going to have to take a break, he kicked us out of the radio station and got the the board of the building to ban us from the building. So it's censorship been, on top of censorship on, on top, top of, of censorship, censorship on top of censorship. Yeah. So now, even though we live in this town and we donated to the radio station with time and money for years, dark helped start it because the station manager coerced and lied to the board of the building that the station is in to get us kicked out of the building. We're dang, they feel we unsafe. are safe. No longer able to participate in the civil process of a 501 C three in our own town. That being said, There have been a couple of times that we have chosen to revoke someone's privileges. That's true. To discuss things on our pages. This is a salon. This is our living room. And just like any other living room, if someone starts uh, acting like a cunt, we're going to kick you out. Sorry. It's just about protecting the space for people to have a reasonable dialogue. We have people. And we get to decide what's reasonable. We have people that show up who disagree with us vehemently. We love that. Ongoingly. Tell us. And they 
they don't use derogatory terms. Yeah. And they don't go and talk about us behind our backs on their private they Facebook pages. They don't make pages. it personal. Don't make it yeah. personal. But um, there have been a couple of people who have made it personal. Very personal. And pointless. Yeah. So we're absolutely here for um, difficult conversations, and we want to be called out. That's why we have the chat bot. And so whatever answer you think we're not ready for, uh, come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah, um, we're ready for those answers. Yeah. And uh, today I thought this would be a good time just to have an open house, talk to our audience. So we're going to um, be here. If you want to waft in, waft out, get some snacks. Ask if us you, anything. Yeah, ask us anything. We what, may or may not answer it. We may or may not have an answer for it. Yeah. Um, uh, we might just Google it live and show you yeah. how we find our answers to things. Because I do want to do some of that today because I did put some stuff together for the show. Yeah. But I think the process of how we go about the show is something I'd like to share with our audience. Absolutely. So, like, where do you get your information? Yeah. I'm like, well, first not, I go here. Not the news. And then I read this. and I'm like, that rings a bell. Yeah. Maybe I should look into that. What is the source of that thing? Mm-hmm. Who is funding that source? And how did it get to my eyeballs? How did it get and then from that, I glean some information. Right. And then you can share with you guys to a bunch of other information. It's a long process. Yeah. This is why I spend 40 to 50 hours a week uh, preparing the stuff that we talk about over the course of two hours here on Sunday. Yeah. So um, if you do have to waft out, take a minute and send the video to a few friends. Like um, Let's find people like in other countries. Chain. Let's find people in yeah. other countries. Let's see how many different countries we can get in the thread. Think of the person that lives today. the farthest away from you and send it to them. Hey, uh, we got a comment. Oh, sweet. Okay. Darren Anthony says, I am in Northern Ireland here, which has its own government as part of the UK, being the British Isles, England, Scotland. But I am basically a part of both as the border is a few miles away. Northern Ireland has been very straightforward. There have been lockdowns, mask mandates, but because we are not part of Ireland on paper, but of course we are in our hearts... Ireland does not police us, and the UK does not police us, so the enforcement of the lockdowns has been minimal, and thankfully, most people I know are really clued into what's going on. What's going on? That's awesome. So I, What's going on? I pull some things from, um, from Darren's breakdown of his experience in Ireland. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like, having read what he shared, that he's, he's feeling a little sus about the mainstream story. Oh, yeah. Sounds like it. Now... He, there's a broad spectrum of people who feel sus about the mainstream story. But but what there, is, there might, what's yeah. the real story? There about? might be people who think that the entire virus never existed and the whole thing is just a media hoax. Yeah. Um, and then there are people that you think it does exist, but that we should let God kill us in his own time. You right. know? And then there are people that think it does exist, but we know how to treat it and how to prevent death and severe hospitalization. So there's no emergency use so authorization no required. To do an emergency use testing of, uh, of a treatment. <laughs> a, a treatment. Treatment. I refuse to call it a vaccine. Yeah. Like- <laughs> they're, they're, uh, the people who are producing these treatments are drug dealers and known criminal actors. They're drug dealers and known criminal entities. They have been uh, fined, the largest fine, hit Pfizer, largest yeah. f- criminal fine in the history of criminal fines. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was that one that you found? Why would you trust that? This week, where it was like, fact check, Moderna did not submit the patent for the drug. Oh, no, no, it's not Moderna. It was, no. that's, that's taking us down the Rothschild. Oh, okay, we'll save that. We'll save that. We'll yeah. save that. We got yeah. time. We got time. We've been here about a half hour. Um, we have, let's see how many people are tuning in right now. We have 10 people tuning in right now on various platforms. Oh, nice. If you don't like things as on far Facebook, as we know, there's a lot of people who are telling me this week that they watch us on Facebook, mm-hmm. on YouTube, on Facebook, but they don't click on it. 
So they just make the volume come on oh. because they don't want to be tracked. That's so, what they said. So they scroll past it and they see that it's there. They see it is there and then they just turn the volume on. Right, but they're not rather clicking than to tuning the link. in because then that way they're not associated, you know, they're not, they're not tied into the I hate that's the whatever. way it is, but I get it. <laughs> so that's what I heard from one listener. But I've yeah. heard a lot of people who say they just scroll through and then turn on the volume rather than clicking yeah. in and participating. And uh, we like everybody. We, and we that's really fine. appreciate we have I know we have a lot of uh, what do you call those lurkers? Lurkers. We and got a lot of watch later too. Yeah. And people who watch it after the fact. And we appreciate everybody. Uh, we've been receiving more and more information offline um, where friends of the show are anonymously um, telling us how much they appreciate what we're doing uh, and and encourage us to continue to do the work we're doing on post-Orthodoxy. And we really appreciate all that. Whether you are upfront with your support or through private messenger, all of it, it goes a long way for us to feel encouraged to keep doing what we're doing. Speaking of... <laughs> You can go to postorthodoxy.com, and there's a support button if you want to support us in another way. Um, You can financially sustain us through a $5 a month subscription. We have a little thing where it's really easy just to fill that out and figure out how it goes. We have a friend of the show that shared a link with me this morning. Okay. And I'm going to share it anonymously because I understand the perspectives that this friend of the show is coming from, and he does not like to be associated with a lot of the things that he shares. Okay, so let's say it. So Ren's Law, rens-law.com, lawyers, paralegals, and volunteers, has a big American flag on the top. Uh-huh. Make Americans free again, our valued partners. Um, so he sent me the link of having signed having signed this thing. So thank you. For Wait, s- our subscription? No. Okay. My friend yes. sent me a link to something, a petition, like a petition. To a petition, But okay. the page that it pops up is, thanks for signing this. So I, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Thank you for signing the Wren's letter and joining us in the fight against tyranny. What's next? We'll submit your electronically signed letter to government representative. And then it says, see Tom Wren's COVID vaccine presentation at Clay Clark's reawakening tour, Dallas, Texas. Uh, I will go back to the homepage for rens-law.com, serving justice with integrity. Uh, yeah, so um, I think this is yet another group of legal professionals who are evaluating the evidence of what has happened in human society over the last couple of years. In the pandemic narrative. Mm-hmm, yeah. And are saying, okay, the shit, the ends does not justify the means. Yeah. The ends is not justifying the means. We're causing more harm than good. We are causing more harm than good right now. More harm than the thing we're trying to pe- supposedly protect people from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's clear. Mrs. Yardy says, I'm a watch after the show kind of person, but it's yeah. much more fun to be here live. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for saying hey. <laughs> thanks for popping in. And Mark French on YouTube says, can't wait to jump down the Rothschild rabbit hole. I never grow bored of those. Oh, boy. Well, good. P- participate in the dialogue because we didn't really, we don't, I don't know if I really want to do it. I'm nervous because Dark's like, look at all of this shit. And I'm like, how much of that, <laughs> how much of that can we Google? Did we just, we, well, let's. Let me address the Rothschild thing from, from <laughs> my personal perspective. Very good, very what good. does that mean? So uh, I am 52 years old, almost 53 years old. I was uh, deep, deep into conspiracy research in my 20s. Which Back is when you had to go to the library. Pre-internet. You had to go to the library. You had to go to the bookstore and find the obscure tomes. And then you had to have that weird guy that sm- his house smelled kind of funny and get a VHS from him that was being shared around. That was how we did our research in the early 90s. 
Um, and it, once you get into the conspiracy stuff, um, pretty quick, everything dovetails modern conspiracy. Not if you're going back to the Knights Templar or you're mm. going back to like, you know, secret societies way back when. But if you're talking about relatively last couple hundred years, um, all conspiracy theories, some they dovetail into the Rothschild family. It always comes up. Yeah, it all goes back to the Rothschilds. Everything else is just some sort of aspect of the grand conspiracy right. perpetrated by the Rothschilds. So, so, so look, yeah. I kind of had a bit of an epiphany when we were talking about this show and talking about, you know, the ongoing, seemingly ongoing rolling evidence that there are people out there that are masterminding shit and it's not for our good. Um, and the, and, and being a person that has lived in multiple reality bubbles, the voice of my friends, the skeptics always pops into my head to kind of be a check and balance. You know, I'm constantly having voices pop into my head to be like, yeah, but like what? So you think there's like some great evil overlord? That's a good journalistic impulse. Oh yeah. And so, and so what I said to my internal skeptic friend was, um, (laughs) (laughs) look, everybody thinks about masterminding the world for their betterment. I would love to arrange the world around me for my betterment. I I think about that. I think about having a better job with more money. I think about finally being able to buy my house so I don't have to worry about it anymore. I think about, um, you know, like having all the money I want to be able to travel to see my loved ones whenever I want to see them. We all think about arranging the world for our betterment. What we often do not imagine or are incapable of imagining or have not practiced imagining is being capable of arranging the world for our betterment. We all think about masterminding shit for our betterment. We very rarely think about being capable, what it would feel like to, to just take the responsibility of all of everything into your hands. Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, we don't. Like, I think I would love to have money to go visit my siblings anytime I wanted to. Sure. I don't. Right. So it's just this thing over here where I imagine being able to do that. Uh I don't, I don't have the ability to do that, nor do I ever really think of, but there are people out there who absolutely have the ability to move and shake whole systems on the planet. Yeah. And so when a very nice person, when a nice person is imagining how it would be nice if the world revolved around them a little bit more, yeah, they're not the same person as the person who is able to make the world revolve around them and doesn't care. Mm. And because you're nice... You can't imagine that. You can't imagine being the kind of sociopath that would divert whole food systems so that you keep your profit margins high in the middle of a pandemic. Because you wouldn't do that. You have a hard time imagining that somebody else would. But there are humans living on the planet who do. This is why we talk about sociopaths and psychopaths. Mm. And there are sociopaths and psychopaths who have the power to arrange entire systems for their benefit, usually a profit margin, and don't worry about you. The yep. way that you worry about your neighbors. And people who worry about their neighbors often can't imagine that anybody would be so sociopathic. I don't have a hard time imagining that because I've worked with some of them. Um, our society tends to glorify sociopaths. Yeah. The higher you go up into the building with the better view, the more sociopathic is likely going to be the people running that office. That's a study done with donuts and coffee. Yeah. 
it's it's like <laughs> we we can see we can all think about it whatever structure you're in whether that's your friends at school or your coworkers at work um, or your friends at church or the person that's running the homeowners association in your neighborhood um, the further someone gets up in the food chain whatever the food chain is uh-huh. the more likely it is that they don't care about everybody you want me to do the brief story of the coffee and donuts yeah, but let me, let me read Darren Anthony's Oh, yeah, before quick. it goes too far. Uh, he says, guys, how I found the podcast was what I meant to say you may not be ready for. Uh-huh. It's nothing related to the topics being discussed at hand, and at least in my opinion... Oh, my God, Dark, here we go. Okay. In my opinion, it's a lighthearted way to find you guys. I always missed the 90s. As oh, to, boy. <laughs> as to me, before mobile phones and computers, etc., it was a more peaceful time, and I relax sometimes by watching the old shows. Oh, boy. <laughs> I watched Saved by the Bell and the, epi- <laughs> <laughs> the episode you played the volleyball player, Dark, and then yeah. I checked the cast, clicked on your name, and here I am. Thanks That's for amazing. tuning in. <laughs> That's a totally organic find. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for tuning in. <laughs> uh, I've resisted ever mentioning that show or my participation on it on our podcast for a long time, but I've often talked about we should just have the Say by the Bell episode. We should, because you have a lot of people that... It's a weird story. It's a weird story, and it's a story apropos of the times, the 90s in the entertainment yeah, industry right. in L.A. Everything was changing, including yourself. So oh, boy. That's awesome. Thank you, Darren. Either way, I'm here, and I enjoy watching, and it is it is him. He just doesn't have any hair anymore. Yeah, it's me, the... <laughs> We forgot to turn the heat on downstairs. She's braver than I am. I needed an extra layer for oh the show goodness. today. It um, is your Green Reaper costume from yeah, Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I'm a judge. <laughs> Mark French says there are right around 2,450 billionaires on the planet. I'm just under, oh, no, just under 700 of them residing or basing their operations in the United States. Tracing and accounting and following it isn't conspiratorial. Thank you, Mark. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. We can know these things. A yeah, lot of these documents know. are supposed to be public. It's just math, he says. When it lines up into public policy that goes astray is when these things should be discussed. I had like this really unhappy moment this week when I realized that senators are allowed to get to, to, to do stocks. I got to find that kid's um, software. Maybe you can help me yeah. find it. You tell the donuts and coffee typer. thing and I'll look. But yeah, I was, Dark was like, well, you know, blah, 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 Nancy Pelosi in the stock market. And I was like... Our representatives shouldn't be allowed to do the stock market. They shouldn't be able to make trades uh, that are affected by the votes that they put out. No. They like, I was like, sh- wait a second. Probably shouldn't be able to do that. But <laughs> What? <laughs> so there's this kid who created an app uh, that tracks when members of Congress or the Senate make stock trades so you can get in on their corruption. So, like, anytime Nancy Pelosi is like, hmm, let's do do something that has something to do with communications, and I'm going to move this around, and then you just do what she did because you know they're going to vote on it next week, and she's going to become a hundred hundred millionaire while being a public servant. All right, here's one article um, from Sizion, PR Newswire. Yeah. Uh, let's see, distribution. What's this about? It doesn't say. The kid. Uh, two IQ launches capital trades a platform that tracks U.S. politicians' trades. Frankfurt, Germany. Ah. 2IQ Research has launched the online service CapitalTrades.com, where investors can track stock market trades of Capitol Hill politicians in a convenient way. 
Um, the Stop Trading on Congressional Knowledge Act of 2012 requires members of the U.S. Congress to disclose their stock market trades. You think? Oh, yeah. And since 2IQ has already built the largest and most sophisticated insider trading database globally, adding stop trading on congressional knowledge trade data to their offering was a logical step. There's also an NPR article. Mm. TikTokers are trading stocks by copying what members of Congress do. Whale alert. Nancy Pelosi just bought $11 million in these four stocks. Right. (laughs) So that happens. That's awesome. I'll share those articles with you guys. So I'll tell you real quick the story about the, the, the coffee and the donuts mm-hmm. and the sociopaths that run the planet. Uh, this is a story. I think if you Googled it, you could probably find this story somewhere. Uh, and I might be telling a mythologized version of the story, but I think the principles are the same. So uh, there was a sociological experiment in a high-rise building um, somewhere in Manhattan. And the experiment went like this. By the elevator, they set up a table with free coffee and free donuts and a note that said, hey, we'd like to try to do this service. Here's a tip jar. It's like an anonymous tip jar. They just have to put it in, right? Yeah. So here's a tip jar. And if everybody pitches in, we can keep this service keep going. Keep coffee and donuts. Get, you can just get off that elevator, get your coffee and donuts. Just drop give a us, dollar in. Drop a dollar in. Mm-hmm. Let's take care of this, right? So um, on the lower floors of the building, there was far more money in the kitty required to keep that service going. In the lower floors of the building, which you're saying, now this is an old world Street thing, level. Is synonymous with poorer, less important members of the company work on the lower floors of the building. On the lower floors of the building. That's the cheaper real estate. That's the that's where you have more of your low-level workers. Okay. And you go up where you have not, the penthouses and you, yeah. have the, you have the larger views of the corner city. Corner offices. The corner office. You know, these status yeah. things. Uh, the floor you're on is a status thing, you know, the size. So they did it and on every floor all the way up the building. Yeah. And they found the further you went up, by the time they got to the higher floors, there was no money in the kitty. Why but do you they keep were, say, co- they were coming kitty? The, the, that's what they call it. That's a, a, a little thing to put some money in. Okay. Anyway, there was no money in the tip jar. <laughs> Tipping is not a city Darren in China. Is, Darren is here there. for the 90s nostalgia, but yeah. I need definition sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So um, the 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 higher up they went, they took the coffee, they took the donuts that were provided for free, and they did not compensate at all. Yes. And, and you noticed a similar pattern when you were r- driving limousines driving for limousines famous in people LA. in L.A. The bigger the house, the bigger the name, the less the tip. The people who I was picking up at 4 o'clock in the morning who just opened up a WB store in Taiwan and came back, they knew that I'm some sh- you know guy having to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to pick his ass up, and I would take him to some shitty apartment in Hollywood, and they'd give me a $20 tip. Which in the 90s was a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah. And then the people that had the six-car garage and the names that everybody knows, nothing. Wow. Nothing. We were just, I was just fortunate to be in their presence. In their presence. You were lucky to be the one that drove them. Yeah, exactly. I got, I get, I get a story out of that, right? Now, now is that, I feel as though, I feel as though part of that has to do with, I feel as the, the inner, the little Republican capitalist inside of me from my childhood. Uh-huh. The little Republican capitalist inside of me. Your inner my, child is my a Republican inner child capitalist. Is a yes. Republican Christian capitalist. Okay. Um, and she's saying, well, that makes sense because if they just gave their money away all the time, they wouldn't be millionaires. That's a story. That is what the little yeah. capitalist in my head says. Right. It's like. I think it demonstrates. 
people who have more social mm-hmm. and desire more social act more socially. Yeah. And don't tend to get the corner office. Yeah. Because you have to step over people to get there. So we elevate Dark, people. Dark, don't you need someone to run the company, though? So that's the idea. People who... Uh, I had the idea a long time ago that you should not... We should not be um, running for office. We should be selected and not elected. Um, I think... The idea is that we're supposed to have some candidate that the public wants and move them into a position of power so they can represent us, right? Yeah. But you, you saw with the Bernie Sanders thing, and it happens. I saw it happen in this state. Um, the party has a candidate that they're going to present to the voters and give you options from the candidates that are being presented to the voters, and then they think they're electing a representative. Right. They That's think not the so. way it's going. Right. So. I like the idea of selecting somebody for office, which is we do what we're supposed to do and have everybody say, you know, that guy over there that doesn't want to run for office, but he's uh, he's he has Im- Im- impeccable ethics and a trustworthy record and some visionary ideas that we have a record of. This is somebody who actually gives a shit about being a human on the planet and having a society. Let's fucking recruit that guy to yeah. run and have some public push to actually have representative government by having the people who are voting actually select who they want to run instead of taking the selection by the corporate overlords. Yeah. I think that would be useful. That would be awesome. I don't know how to create that movement. (laughs) Well, like we've talked about a lot in the late stage of season two, I think a lot of it starts locally. It starts with me and you and Butte and our representatives and how this government is run and how our citizens feel they can involve themselves in the political process. Yeah. It starts locally. That's what represent us is all about. Right. Is at least in the U S the way the political stuff works is for instance, with women being allowed to vote or gay people being allowed to get married, states and counties start ratifying it. And then eventually the federal government has to be like, okay. Yeah. It doesn't even have to get to a majority. We don't need to think about turning the entire ship of the federal government, but we can all collectively work on turning the smaller ships of our individual state and county battalions. Yeah. Like that. How's that? We could be doing that. So I think rather than sighing over the lesser of two evils that you have to choose every year. Think about who you actually want. Like, let's go like creative thinking style. Who in your community would you like to represent you in a position of government of governance? Right. Who would you like to actually govern your shit? Yeah. Who do you know that you think would do a good job taking care of you and your neighbors? It might be like a night manager. Yeah. At a fast food restaurant. And they might not want to, which is why we have term limits. Right. It's why you're not supposed to be able to just do the same political thing until you die. Because it should be someone who kind of really doesn't want to do it forever. Because if you want to do it forever, you probably shouldn't be allowed to. Yeah, I'm going to make the pitch. I'm going to make the pitch for this idea right now and why the timing's really good. So um, what we saw in the last two years politically is almost everybody in politics is a cunt. <laughs> That's kind of what I saw. Um, and the, uh, the, the, the complete disintegration of what is known as leftism in America has been stunning and bewildering how fast the left became the fan of the CIA, the FBI, big pharma, the military industrial complex, Yeah, like how suddenly they're like, fascism is fine. 
It's not fascism. No, we specifically had a, a frenemy of the show um, let us know that he studies and teaches about totalitarian states. And while you might think that what's going on in the U.S. right now is leading to a totalitarian state, it is not because he studies it and teaches it. And I'm like, okay, um, but there are other pla- there are other countries on this planet. And although you are having a nice middle class white male experience of the pandemic in the U.S., yeah. Lots of other people on the planet are not. Having very different experiences. Very different experiences. So uh, the fun part about this story is as the story goes on, people develop track records of how they reacted to the story. Mm -hmm. Our track record was like, hey, this stinks. They're like, fuck you, get off the air. And we kept saying it. And we kept saying it. I think that's a good track record. And what were we saying? The stuff that is happening. We were saying the lockdowns were going to cause more death and destruction and harm than the virus we're supposed to be locking down from. That is the case now. Finding people who have been saying the right thing and predicting the right thing. If you're a political person, you had to go along with party lines. Yeah. And so I think this next election is coming up, 2022. We're going <laughs> to need to elect some people, right? Yeah. It's really easy to go back at those really critical junctures of the pandemic and say, was this guy buying the narrative without doing the research and then saying he wanted to represent me? Like, if you want to represent me, don't go down party lines. Figure out what the fuck is going on before you start putting masks on kids for an entire fucking semester. I think that was one of the craziest things early on in 2020 was the massive push to undermine people's confidence in their own intellects. Oh, there was you a, can't know it. You can't really there know, There was a man. vast campaign um, to undermine cit- citizens' beliefs in themselves. In like, to be able in like to a know. loving yeah. way. Like, don't you trust authorities? Like, don't you respect people that went to college for a long time? Like, you know, like, don't you respect people who are sacrificing themselves and not sleeping at night like you do? They sleep in the daytime because they're a night nurse. Like, don't you care that they're sacrificing? Like, they know better than you do. You Scientists you, say. So, you must not do your own research. Mm -mm. No, you're not qualified. The only way that you can, this is such an old world way of thinking. Like we have the internet now and the internet is full of lies and manipulation. Absolutely. But so is every other field. The only way that you can know things is if you ask your pastor or a parent or a politician, your party or your church, fuck that shit. Yeah. That used to be the way you, the only way, you know, like you would have to ask an authority figure or go to the library, I guess. If you had a library and you knew how to read. But now you can go and teach yourself things. If you wonder about something, you can go and read five or six different sources about it and then figure out which answer seems to be the best answer. And then you can be facile that when somebody comes along and says, oh, I understand that you worked really hard to get to that answer, but here's some new data that says that answer is kind of bunk. You can be like, yes, I shall be Zen and move with the flow of the data. You can have that skill. You don't need to be in college to be doing that. Can you go to the show document and scroll all the way to the bottom? This is one of the images that I used to to announce the herald, the coming opening of the show today. Yeah, will you um, read Mark French's comment, please? Yeah, where is it? Hey, Laura Repla tuned in. And she posted a bunch of stakes. Mark French said, just math. When it lines up into public policy, No, that's an old one. Oh. It's the very bottom. Oh, very bottom. In Athenian democracy, citizens over 20, it was a civic duty to be selected for office by municipal assembly. 
I like if we got some younger kids out there that actually were more responsive to their community and environment and, than people who've been come entrenched in these old fucking, you know. And what's going on right now? Calcified structures. Like people, people just, I'm so done with the ageism and the dissing of the youth. Like, <laughs> are you talking to the next generations that are going to be running things? Or are you just shitting on them? Like, we need people of all ages because our society is made up of people of all ages. Right. There's a few things I want to, we can go down the Rothschild thing if there's enough community support. Um, <laughs> For the idea like, of the Rothschild yeah, Let's thing. talk about the, so we've been talking about the pandemic narrative since the beginning of, before there was a narrative. The only thing we heard was like, meh, virus. And then we're like, okay, now we have to figure all this out, right? And we went down that road to a point where um, it just became us demonstrating for you our process of trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with this story because there's so many crazy twists and turns. Mm -hmm. That's been a year and a half of trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. In that process, I feel like this week I hit full. I'm like the whole reasonable doubt. Like I have, there's part intuition, there's part information. There's like, I, I don't know the full, there's like availability bias. Just the sheer weight of the propaganda convincing people of a certain narrative is so hard. Like maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm crazy. Am I the only one? Mm-hmm. Going through that, I feel like I, I got full up and I think I've figured it out. Figured out the narrative. I'm kind of done. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, you said I'm, that. You I'm were kind like, of over it now. Let's move on. Yeah, it's like whatever happened in the real estate crisis, whatever happened around September 11th, the forces that have um, been behind these high points of uh, cultural alarm are always accomplishing the same things. And the pandemic is just another high spike where wealth is being transferred and power is being transferred. Mm-hmm. And corporate governance is replacing uh, democratic representative governance. And coronavirus is just that story. So if you just peel back coronavirus, like, well, these are the fuckers who have been fucking, fucking us forever. And it's the same people. And then we're all like, oh, we, we better we, trust them. Yeah, it's the abusive boyfriend story. Like, right. people cannot believe that there might be something better than the broken thing they have. Well, so they stick you, with the broken thing they have because they know all about it. This is a cycle that we know. We know this cycle psychologically and relationally. It's known. It's, it's almost impossible to imagine a better thing. Right. You have to go towards it before you know what it's going to feel like. You have to go towards a better job before you know that it's going to be actually better. You have to move toward, you have to get out of the unhealthy relationship before you have proof that you will definitely be in a healthy, loving relationship in the future. So you can't let go of the old dock to find the new dock of where your reality yeah. is or what you you're facing to. shit in. Right. Sometimes- you don't get to get to the other thing without untying from the bullshit. And yeah. our media ecology has proven itself to be completely toxic and broken. We cannot trust mainstream media. And we know that. And yet we just keep listening to it because of the availability of it. And that's a problem because we have other options. There's other things that you could be following, other sources of information. Glenn Greenwald, I think, does a really great journalistic breakdown. He somehow has not been killed. I don't know how he hasn't been killed. (laughs) Matt Taibbi is another one of these guys that has really cogent breakdowns because... Uh, we're, we're more complex than we were in the 80s or the 70s or the 50s or the 40s. We are operating with computers that were from sci-fi movies 
mm-hmm. that the people who are in power now can't, most of them can't even imagine the power that is being utilized. And they're still like in fucking abacus world. Yeah. And that's why, that's why a lot of our well-meaning loved ones don't think that it's absurd to suggest that there are structures running the planet that mm. they don't know about. Rothschild's coming up later in the show. Um, <laughs> All right. So um, Darren from Ireland yeah. said, these have to be bots, right? What have to be bots? The KFC bots. It has to be bots putting the same thing. No, because it happens on my Facebook page with my friends. Yeah. I mean, this has happened. I think several, there are some bots doing it, but this is like this has happened several times throughout the pandemic. Where if you care, you reshare the thing, like the catening the curve meme. Right, I, resha- right. I reshared the catening the curve meme because it was really impactful and effective, and we did it. And then we should have stopped locking down. Right. So this is like there are all, there are bots. Some of these are probably bots, but a lot of them. I my friends on Facebook are posting this thing. They're cutting and pasting as their perspective. Because it is, it is, it's vaxism. It's the religious mantra. You have to vocally say you're in favor of the thing or your loyalty is suspect. You can't just like be neutral on the thing, mm-hmm. right? This is why the division is so heavy right now. Some of these I think are bots, but not all of them are. No, like I said, I know people posting it on, the, on, on their pages. It just becomes like, I can't think for myself, so I'll just cut and paste this and tell you how I And you that know, will let you know my that subs- I care. It's my subscription to the story. Yep, it'll let you know that I'm I subs- care. I'm, I, I am all in on this story. And that's freaky to me because I'm on Twitter. I'm looking at all these different Twitter feeds, and it's original thinkers saying original things. It's not, it's not like Facebook, which is often just resharing other sources. I'm finding really good sources on Twitter of people who are breaking down the situation because we're more complex than we used to be. Mm-hmm. We, ha- we need to look at this pandemic narrative from a medical perspective, from a psychological perspective, even more importantly, from an economic perspective, which is the big story that nobody's talking about, mm-hmm. the transfer of wealth, the reason that they got rid of Bernie Sanders because he wanted to talk about income inequality. They the Democratic murder- Party could- said, fuck you, voters, yeah. fuck you. We've already selected your candidate and you're going to you're going to get it and you're going to like it. And then the largest transfer in wealth, like transfer of wealth unimagined by most people has occurred under this like layer of the coronavirus where we're all just concerned about our fucking grandmas. Because we're not sociopaths. We're not thinking about what we're losing right now because we're concerned for our fucking grandmas. This is the game that's been played with the coronavirus narrative. That's why I'm a little over it now. So what does that mean, practically speaking, for you? I've been trying to piece it together. It's almost like it's like a puzzle. You know, I've been doing conspiracy stuff since my 20s, like I said. Right. The, you know, Which old some, school. many people do not think of as a good thing to put on your resume. Uh, trying to understand how things work beyond the level of propaganda, I think, is what I'm actually doing. And right. conspiracy theories are basically... It conspiracies are people getting together to lay out the plan that a lot of people are not aware of. And is not necessarily for the common good. That is modern society. Yeah. We ma- like, were managed through we public relations. This. Yes. We right. know this. So we know it happens. For me, it's like once it sort of once you tie everything back to the Rothschilds, that's like putting the corner piece in. That's like you got the frame together. Mm-hmm. And then everything within that frame, you you can just predict you know the image now. Right. So this is about the transfer of wealth. This is about uh, control. 
and it's funny to me a little bit because it's so out in the open and it's tragic to me a lot because people cannot imagine the level of fuckery that's being done right in front of their eyeballs. Right. They can't imagine that could happen. They can't imagine... Standing in line? Yeah. (laughs) Sanity. That's what you need to be concerned of. Not Not the evil government. That's not concerning me. It's the stupidity of people is what's concerning me. The fact that the government is evil, I know that. The fact that we are controlled by evil psychopaths, we know that. What has changed? <laughs> Nothing changed. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi alone, no, 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 alone. That's racist. Alone. No, I just really my tongue just <laughs> fell over. It was um, alone, anava. Yeah. Yeah. We know this. We know this. What has changed? <laughs> So like, for me, it's like I've been. We trying, know conspiracies happen. I've been doing Scooby Doo shit, trying to figure out, you know, who Mister Carruthers, what mask he's under, you know, to foil the plan about his oil business. It's, it's just I just been doing Scooby Doo shit for a year and a half, and it, it finally, it's like we know the guy. It's the same old guy, and he would have gotten it too if it wasn't for the meddling kids. Um, <laughs> who would have gotten away with it? Yeah. Would have gotten away with it too. We know so this. It's still happening, and people are still being spooked by uh, the Rothschilds in the uh, whatever the Bigfoot mask that's running around the site of the new mega corporation they want to build or whatever. Mark French says fear equals compliance. So mm. many examples of power brokers creating a problem and pretending to solve it while hoarding money and consolidating power. The mm. economic bailout for rich people was clearly already written pre-coronavirus. Mm. The Fed was already dumping billions of dollars into the overnight funds rates just to keep bank liquidity moving. Pre-public acknowledgement of the virus. Some people might imagine that the virus was actually the narrative of the virus was actually created in order to transfer the wealth. That yeah. maybe the story of the virus, uh, I don't know if anybody's read the Spars Pandemic. Spars Pandemic. Here, Kim, John Hopkins. I'll find it. You find that bitch and you post it in all those things and click on this thing and read it. It is the script for what you're in. And Every it's not major the only thing. one. Yeah. There was, what was Event 120 or something? The Bill Gates event thing? Event 201. Event 201. So there's been like four over the last yeah, at, decade of people planning to do this. It's so in the open, people can't imagine. what It's like the World Economic well, Forum. Well, they wouldn't like, put it out there. We're going to redesign society without actual governance. <laughs> and you're going to like it. I'm like, you they have a website saying this. That It's not like I didn't have to go to the guy with the smelly couch and get the videotape to figure that one out. They, they put a fucking website out. Put it out there. And because they put it out there and made a movie about it, you think it's not real. Or it's, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure they mean well because I mean well. They had that really nice music behind it. It makes me want to do yoga. I'm sure they've their plan for the world is awesome. Uh, if you're not familiar with the World Economic Forum, go to their website. It's real also. Look up the 200-layer COVID map where they're redesigning the world through the lens of COVID. It's pretty. It's it's a beautiful piece of work, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I'll pull it up. Um, so the World Economic Forum, awesome. Uh, they're doing stuff where they're talking the language of a fourth-level Star Trek civilization. But where we you're can finally, not running it. But the oligarchs are still running yeah. it. <laughs> Everything except we're just going to stay in charge. How's that? Yeah. So they're dressing up the future, and the pandemic is the, is the, that's the Stockholm moment where everybody's so fucked up that they then embrace their captors. So 
Just yeah. like way zoom out, you know? Yeah, way zoom out. Occam's Razor, yo. We just watched a really cool movie, um, Contact with Jodie Foster from yeah. 1997 or something. Um, it was definitely a 90s movie. But it was really beautiful. And it presented an interesting problem from the perspective that Hollywood does not usually address that problem. And that's all I'm going to say because I don't want to spoil it. Um, but she, she's constantly bringing up Occam's razor. They, she's looking for intelligent life in space and they are like, this is stupid. You need to, (laughs) yeah, over and over again. And, um, she finally finds a radio signal, which is not a spoiler alert, but, um, she made contact. She made contact. LOL. Uh, and, and they're like, well, but maybe it's actually satellites all over the world putting together a conspiracy to rebound a radio signal out into space that then you catch in order to, um, like make this one, you know, like all this stuff. And she's like, look, Occam's razor, all things being considered, whatever the simplest answer is, is usually the answer. We know that we have an international chain of scientific institutes doing sketchy shit with massive amounts of funding from government and military institutions. We know this. We know this. Um, you could know this too. Yeah. Like, this, don't take it from us. No, it's not a conspiracy yeah. theory. Yeah, don't take it from us. There are global science institutions studying sketchy shit. And we would love to believe that they're studying sketchy shit for the good of mankind. But what if they're not? What if some of the scientists... Thought experiment. What if some of the scientists at the global military and government-funded science institutions are studying sketchy shit, not necessarily for the good of mankind? It might be the benefit for a smaller group of folks. It might be that some of the billionaires who we know... And who we know are running things. Yeah. Potentially using a lot of their money Mm. to ask the global science institutions uh, to pay them. They don't have to ask. They just pay them to pay the global science institutions to study sketchy shit that would potentially make the wealthy people wealthier. Yeah. So that is not a crazy. That's not a crazy thing. That's been done in human society many times. Like. Releasing plagues, manipulating um, social groups, spreading fake news to make people fight each other. This has been done over and over again since, like, it's the pretty, Egyptians. What, it's really bad. It's <laughs> the Egyptians kind of, did that shit. <laughs> this is what I'm saying when I'm full up. It's, like, so paint by number now. Yeah. Like, trying to figure out, like, the depth of the story and how now are they, they pulling the this internet. shit off. It's really it's easy amazing. for them now. Yeah. So then finally I'm just like, oh, God, I see all the paint by numbers. And you start to see the way it's going out. Like, this whole – this okay – I'd like to do a little thought experiment here. Can we do can we do a little piece that yeah. I prepared? Let's see what I got on the page. There's a NPR story. The coronavirus crisis. Don't let Omicron crash your holiday gathering. Oh, Here's geez. how to keep your family safe. This is NPR. And I thought this is something I just want to walk through with the audience because I haven't even looked at it yet. Yeah. Is this but, in your So this notes? is right so there's like oh Fox is a bunch of liars and MSNBC are a bunch of liars but NPR you know NPR They're is, not liars. They're public radio sponsored yeah. by the Robert Wood Johnson and Johnson Foundation right they're fucking sponsored by Johnson and Johnson. Um they might have a conflict of interest. So we have <laughs> the don't let Omicron crash your holiday gathering here so I'm like okay it's NPR 
They have the click and clack car guys. I have How like bad? a lot of friends that are going to look at this. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you should look at it. So let's see what they're saying. Let's see what our friends are getting their information. This is Montana Public Radio, NPR. Don't let Omicron, Omicron crash your holiday gathering. Okay, he's going to... They're going to tell us how to keep your family safe. That's kind of an important thing, don't you think? Keeping your family safe. That Those are words that make me care. Right. You have to keep your... If you want to keep your family safe, just listen to NPR. This three-minute listen. Yeah. I, here, I'm just going to read it. Um, just in time for the holidays, federal officials announced that Omicron is spreading quickly in the U.S. Okay. It could be the dominant variant. You have you can't read it like a like crazy. I want to though. Do you want me to read it? I let me read it how our friends are hearing it. Okay, read it and then I want to pick out the words. Yes. I'm gonna stop you a lot. Go. Yeah, but you can't read it like a nefarious overlord. God, but that's the way it is. No, no, because our well meaning loved ones on the left are reading this from the perspective of someone that cares about keeping their families safe. Okay, let's read a couple of sentences okay. and then I'll give you my notes. How's that? Omicron could be the dominant variant in many regions by early January, according to the CDC, and it may already be a big presence in many places. For instance, it's already causing more than 13% of cases in the New York and New Jersey area, the CDC estimated on Wednesday, and Houston Methodist Hospital in Texas, which does its own genomic sequencing, said Friday that 45% of its cases are now caused by by Omicron. Scientists are still trying to learn more about Omicron's severity, but they are already certain of two things. It's extremely transmissible, and it's causing many more breakthrough infections than the Delta variant. The vaccine's ability to stop infections after two doses has dropped to about 30% against Omicron, mm. scientists in South Africa have found. And in the UK, officials, health officials say the risk of a household member spreading the virus to another member is three times higher than it was with the Delta variant. Health officials are urging Americans to step up COVID safety measures now. Okay, let's go that far right now. Well, so I, I'm already convinced that this is a great article and I'm ready to take because you said it in the NPR voice. I care about keeping your family safe. Yeah. Well, let's go through a few things in here. Um, this whole premise that they keep saying, we don't know how bad this, we don't know the severity yet. What we do know is that only one person has died and it's destroying all the other variants, right? We're only hearing if, if it comes in and replaces the other variants, then we have something that doesn't kill people. Yeah. That spreads really quickly. That sounds like a solution to the problem. So it's spreading quickly. It's shoving the more dangerous variants out of the way because it's the new kid on the block. Right. And it doesn't kill you. That sounds great. Uh, unfortunately, that's it what seems... Col that's what colds do. <laughs> uh, people who already have natural immunity seem to be immune to the Omicron variant. Um, people are now calling it the pandemic of the vaccinated. Because? Because of the narrow focus of the vaccine is not keeping up with the variants. So it's ineffective is even less effective than it's spectacularly failure to be effective. Can you say that sentence one more time? No. <laughs> Try it again, Sam. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Yeah. What are you trying to say? So apparently it's the, it's the, it's a, they're calling it a pandemic of the vaccinated because most of the people getting sick now with this variant are the vaccinated. Very, very few people unvaccinated are getting this particular. So it feels like the narrow focus of the vaccine. As in the vaccine is, is tailored to protect you from a certain version of coronavirus. The first one, right? And it's already gone iterations off. So you have virtually no immunity mm -hmm. to this one. 
where people who have natural immunity have a broader immunity and seem to be immune to this one. And luckily, it's not that dangerous. They said it could go either way. They should, you know, the vac- vaccinating during a pandemic can create a more dangerous version. This just did what coronaviruses normally do and made a more virulent version. Um, a friend of the show that I've been conversing with a lot this week, yeah. um, we've been getting more and more concerned about our loved ones who have chosen to take some of these treatments mm. as um, the we see a massive spike in cardiovascular system related deaths and hospitalizations, mm. aneurysms, myo and pericarditis, blood clotting, heart attacks, cardiac arrest, et cetera. Um, so I've been conversing with a friend of the show and I'm not going to say his name because he's only ever messaged me privately. Um, but he's been sharing protocols that he's been finding where, uh, for people to support their cardiovascular system post MRNA shot. Mm. Um, Mm. initially he was kind of like, isn't, isn't taking an MRNA shot, like crossing the Rubicon, like your system's just going to do what it's going to do with the spike proteins and you can't stop it. Right. And you might be one of the athletes that drops dead on the soccer field, or you might be perfectly fine, or you might have some chest pains and your doctor tells you to go home because it's anxiety. Um, but he started scoping for, um, heart support, herbs that can prevent blood clotting, things like that stuff that the internet is looking for. Right. Um, but one of the things in between all of that that relates to what you're talking about, he said the Russians are saying Omicron was engineered to end the pandemic. The uh. weaker strain mixed with the common cold coronaviruses and rhinoviruses would spread fast, not making people really sick and bring about herd immunity. After all, everybody gullible enough to have taken the pin has done so already, and people are starting to speak up about different things regarding the safety, et cetera, of the quote-unquote vaccines. The vaccination has been the important thing all along. I first started thinking this was bogus when they had a death ticker on the corner of the screen on CNN. The fact that it was nearly impossible to get a test to travel last year and the fact that the cards are so rinky-dinky, the the passport cards. Yeah. Like, this is the most ultimately copyable identification card in the history of mankind. Um, No numbers on the vaccination cards, and they're filled in with an ink pen as though they were disposable. It all seems not very organized, like another elaborate skit from the producers of 9-11. Because people will believe anything and repeat what they hear, Anderson Cooper says it like the gospel. Make no mistake. They thought about which demographic would believe it, basically everyone who thinks that they're the intelligent ones according to what they read. So many interesting things Mm. in that, but it has to do with what you're talking about, about what coronaviruses do over time. We know this. We've known this. Dark and yeah, I Yeah, we don't have to go down a conspiracy no, thing. They, it's not they a engineered conspiracy. this one. Well, maybe it is. No, I, I don't mean, know. It's not a conspiracy what coronaviruses naturally do. Right. That is a known scientific process for a long time. Omicron seems to be doing what we would expect a coronavirus to do. Which is mutate more and more over time, become weaker and weaker. And then eventually just be a normal part of society. It's like just the, a parasite like the on the human experience. The yeah, it's, it's a passport. It, it has a way to exist with humans because it doesn't want to burn itself out. Yeah, it doesn't want to eat you all up. It wants to stay around. It wants to hang out with the humans for mm-hmm. a while so you can't get rid of the humans. So it can't be that deadly. So it, it eventually just works out a little herd coal. Yeah, which is crass, yeah, it's, but it's scientific. We and, have to we have to look at the planet yeah. as a whole, you know. We have to look at the planet as a whole. Um, 
but it was even, such a bad virus because we figured out shit really on where you could yeah. you could pretty much not go to the hospital. I think this is one of the things that's making us feel really kind of done with the whole thing is that it's extremely provable and has been proved in a variety of countries in with a variety of treatments that there are things that could have been done to save lives that were not done that were not done and that you were made to laugh at. And so I'm still sort of up on the air. I think it's a big mixture of complete incompetence because of the way that we elevate people in our systems of power in this country. Um, You don't need an ethical person to be in that. You don't need to be an ethical person to be in a position of power. No, no. Uh, (laughs) we used to have ethical standards, but we don't have them anymore. People, we just move on to the next ethical breach to outrage people. And we never have accountability for people who break the rules or even like have the appearance. Like there's so much appearance of impropriety that seems like 99% that alone should be making people question things. Yeah. That reasonable doubt should make people question things, but we're just inundated with, um, ethical violation after ethical violation so that we don't even hear that word anymore. We don't talk about it. But to me, that's what I've come to. We're in an ethical crisis. There's no accountability for fucking up or doing things wrong or doing things deceptive or doing things that are harmful. There seems to be very little repercussions. So why do we think it's ever going to stop? Unless we start holding people accountable. Yeah. We have to start saying, oh, why did we let the Fauci thing go? Why did we not, you know, like the funding with EcoHealth and Wuhan Lab and like, why, why are we still taking advice from that guy when everything he said has been wrong? Scientifically. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. You're going to be 100% protected. You're not going to do it. Put a mask back on. Booster's going to be fine. This, this variant seems to not like the old uh, vaccine, so you better get a, a booster of the same vaccine. Mm-hmm. As far as we know, they this haven't pers- been. They haven't been continued. Like it's it, it it's documented from healthcare professionals that the current SARS-CoV-2 treatments were built not using SARS-CoV-2 itself yeah. to build the treatment. Right. Smallpox, you are given a tiny piece of smallpox. It was an Im- immunizing. You're given a tiny piece of now. Not all vaccinations use a tiny piece of the actual illness That's to true. do it, but. We're, we're beginning to get like steps and steps away, further and further steps away from relia- reliability. First of all, the original SARS-CoV-2 treatments, COVID treatments that people call vaccinations, um, did not have actual SARS-CoV-2 genome in them. So that's, that's one step away from being something that could actually fully prepare your immune system to protect you against that virus. Um, secondly, they keep having people take the same treatment for further and further variants. So whatever it was built off of originally, we're getting further and further away from. Um, it it's, gives it's, the impression that the vaccine is getting weaker and weaker and therefore more and more useless. Right. Um, people say it's dangerous. Doctors, scientists, scientists say that it's dangerous to try to vaccinate in the midst of a pandemic because you drive um, the shift in the virus Mm -hmm. to mutate around whatever that shot is to become uh, what they call immune escape. They're just going to, they're just going to wiggle out of that narrow constraint that you've created and they will produce the vaccines will produce the variants. We're not saying this. No scientists, virologists know this. There's links in previous shows. I can find it on one of my virologists know this about, Um, Look at the study of Merrick's disease, M-A-E-R-K-S, Merrick's disease and uh, disease in chickens where they were trying to vaccinate in the midst of the outbreak and it drove 
the spread of variants that worked to get around the vaccine. And so the doomsday prediction that the vaccines for humans, the shots for humans, were going to drive a more deadly variant. And it's been fortunate that it did not. It's driving a more virulent variant, which will crowd out the older variants, I think, is the way it's supposed to work. I'm not a scientist. Don't take my word for it. But this is the story that I've been following. So let's go back to the NPR article and see what exactly we can do to protect our family. This is NPR telling you what to do. Very good. Get a booster as soon as possible. All right. Health officials are urging Americans to step up COVID safety measures now. What? Step up your COVID safety measures because it is spreading. The good news is you don't have to hibernate like it's 2022 or 2020, we're in a much different place than we were last winter. Even if they can't stop all infections, scientists have found that vaccines still offer good protection against severe disease. And if you get a booster, it will likely help restore some protection against infection. Okay, that sentence. Okay, here's a problem. That's- <laughs> this is the same problem of people saying, um, you know what? I, I got the shots and then I got the virus, but luckily it wasn't as bad because as it I would have been because I got the shot that was supposed to protect me from getting the virus. I need to see that data. Like, there's no way to I say to that see... it, because people have the shots now people are dying. There's I don't see how we're calculating that. Yeah, where because the virus is mutating faster than the shots, and so therefore the way people are dying is going to be according to the virus, not the fucking shots. So this last sentence, you don't get to credit less dangerous viruses coming out with the success of a vaccine that did not keep people from getting sick or spreading. Yeah, but this is what people are like. Man, it's, well, it helped, me, it helped me get through this. Scientists Man. say that it keeps people from getting scientists sick and spreading. say. And I'm saying I want to see the yeah, data. Show me the data on that NPR show me motherfucker. How, how are you proving <coughs> that fewer people? How are you proving that people get a less severe case of COVID if they've had the shot? How do you prove? I haven't seen how they do that. How hypothesize in your mind? Yeah. How would they prove that people get a less severe case of COVID if they've had the shot? How would you prove that? Uh, you would not be able to prove that. You would be able to say, okay, there's these people who are exactly like this person over here, but still. The number of factors that go into a person's individual health and susceptibility to illness are the so... The humidity levels are important. Yeah, like, yeah. What's the humidity in their house? How is their boss treating them at work? How much sun do they get? Do they have a long-distance loved one that recently got in touch with them and divulged deep family secrets that's stressing them out, but they're not telling anybody about it, including the researchers? Anyway, I'm going to say that's sus because NPR is uh, uh, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation is a big... Donor to NPR. Donor to NPR. I just like this last sentence. Yeah. If you get a booster, it will likely help restore some protection against infection. That is fucked up. That, that is, is a up. lot of ifs. ifs if if you, you get a booster, it will likely help restore, restore some, some protection, protection against infection. <laughs> NPR goes on to say. Wait, and that's even bullshit. It's not going to keep you from getting infected. Some protection. Yeah, show me the data on that. Yeah, show me, show me how you came to that conclusion, show scientists. Show me on the data. 
That said, so if this dumb. pandemic has taught us anything, it's that when you don't know what you're dealing with, we should invoke the, the precautionary principle, says Dr. Abrar Karan, an infectious disease physician at Stanford University. In other words, don't panic, but do take steps to reduce your risk. We spoke to several infectious disease experts for advice. Remember, things are changing quickly, so stay alert for new public health guidance. But here's what to do right now. So yet again, they're going to give the American people advice and ignore life-changing medical data that Science. could save yeah. lives. Vitamins, minerals, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. These treatments have been proven in countries all over the world and in various parts of the U.S. to save lives and prevent severe hospitalization. But they're not going to tell you about vitamin D. No. They're not going to... The CDC, South Africa, South Africa's website... South Africa's website about SARS-CoV-2 says most people are vitamin D deficient and most people who go into the hospital with SARS, severe cases of, SARS, of COVID are extremely vitamin D deficient. 80 some odd percent that go you in. You should be taking lots of vitamin D. The U.S. medical website, the CDC, says vitamin D will not protect you from SARS-CoV-2. And I don't think that's true. It's not true. Data says otherwise. So that's the difference between policy and science that you're supposed to believe. So, And I also rebel against this idea. That said, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that when you don't know what you're dealing with, but we do know what we're dealing with. Okay, They're going to give us the exact same advice that they gave us two years ago as if nothing has changed and we don't know anything. Get a booster, mask up, upgrade your mask, downsize or cancel the holiday party. That's how you can keep your family safe during the holidays. Neil Ferguson of the Royal Imperial College there in London is the guy that made the initial models that said we were all going to die from this virus. That was him being, let's just think about the worst case scenario and prepare for that, right? And so all the planning of the mass, the social distancing, the lockdowns, all that came from Ferguson's model saying we're all going to die. Yeah. And we have to prepare against that. A couple of months later. It was shown that that was way overblown and it wasn't as bad as they thought. However, the the safety first didn't change with the data. I cannot believe that two years later with a a nearly non-existent death rate with this illness that we're still saying cancel your family plans, wear a mask, and get these treatments. Fucking NPR. Be afraid because this virus is spreading. They're not saying... We are so grateful that a less deadly virus is spreading and eating up the rest of the viruses so that hopefully... We can all just go back to having a cold. Did you know that that's what you do in the wintertime is you get a cold? We're at that point now. Yep. Mark French says, Florida, as a matter of public policy, basically took the position that COVID-19 was a joke and it was business as usual and they had a death rate of only 0.12% and it's full of old vulnerable people. It's full of old vulnerable people who get a shit ton of sunshine every day. A metric fuck ton of vitamin D in Florida. What? Old people died? What? He's saying Florida is full of vulnerable old people and I'm like... Yeah, vulnerable old people who are getting a shit ton of vitamin D, which is why they didn't have as many deaths they as they should die. have had. Yeah, right. That's a big part of it. It's a big Those part are of a it. bunch of people who are living somewhere that they want to be living, mm. doing activities that they want to be doing, and getting a ton of time outside in the sun. That's a lot of assumptions, but yeah. I've been to Florida. <laughs> the toll booth dudes are happy. <laughs> Like, it was super weird. They're, like, really, because they work six hours a day, and then they're on retirement, and they go to the beach. Yeah. Like, 
Getting vitamin D is good for your immune system. People go to Florida because they want to. Right. People who don't want to go to Florida do not go to Florida. I don't want to go to Florida. Disney World's in Florida. Yeah, I don't want to go there. Well, it makes a lot of people happy. There's other beaches I like better. <laughs> um, so, NPR. Back to that article. Get a booster as soon as possible. Do you think they have reason and rationale behind that? Don't delay in getting your booster. It's better to do nothing. No, it's better to do something than nothing. And we're going to pretend like this is the only thing you could do. That is why you should be mad. <laughs> Omicron has a huge ability to evade antibodies generated by the vaccines, many studies have found. <laughs> Two shots will not offer much protection from infection with Omicron, especially if you received the shots more than three months ago. Take the thing that this thing has a huge ability to evade. Just quick. Just put some in. Just quickly. Put some, put some more in you. That's NPR. A booster will reduce your risk of catching Omicron. Now show me that data. Show me the data where the booster will reduce your risk of catching Omicron and offer enhanced protection against severe disease, which is not uh, what vaccines are supposed to do. I think they're supposed to make you immune to the disease. What I thought. So there, that's that's what their experts say. Wow! And they say vaccine still offers about seventy percent protection against severe disease, uh, but they don't say for how long. That's kind of an important part of the thing. They just keep saying it protects, and people think vaccines make me immune. Guess what, guys? It's dumb. There are other things. NPR is making you dumber right now. There are other things that can protect you. NPR is scaring you and making you dumber. There are other, like, do we need to write a book? Like, there are so many smart people out there lining all of this shit up, whether it's the financial conspiracy stuff or the scientific um, holes in the mainstream story. Like, there are so many people out there who are putting all of the shit together and... I don't know. I, we're not going to convince our, our friends. No. We're not going to convince our, our well, we, we can empower. We can I, empower our questioning friends to have the information necessary to speak to their loved ones. Reasonable Starts doubt. local. It's starting local. Yes. We're empowering you with little pieces of reasonable doubt that you can potentially sprinkle into your loved ones' dinner salads. The credibility of so many institutions have been shot uh, all to hell in the last several years. This is NPR. A lot of people are like, well, whoever I can go to, I can still go to NPR. This is NPR spreading the narrative. Science. The uni narrative. Bad, bad information. Believe science. Believe policy. Don't ask for data. There's no fucking data in any of this. It's all um, health policy. And when they talk about public health, I think we should just uh, uh, replace that with um, disease management. Because... We are the cash cow now that we're not doing war anymore. Medical is the cash cow. Yep. We are disease managed. We are not, we don't have public health. If we had public health, they would be talking about vitamin A, D, B, C, and zinc. That would be public health. This is disease management. Be afraid, don't understand anything, and don't ask to us to show our fucking homework. This is in fucking R here. This is what the intellectuals are supposed to be listening to, right? Isn't that what the intellectual elite listens to, NPR? Mask up indoors in public places and upgrade your mask. No data showing that that is still a thing. 
in, or ever was a goddamn thing. In fact, we've seen tons of data from all over the world comparing and contrasting similar groups that did wear masks and did not wear masks, and the death rate is the same. A negligible difference. You, you may have a faster spike of deaths in the area that didn't do masking and social distancing, but the percentage of deaths is the same. What the data suggests is that, much like we know from about coronaviruses, from time immemorial, whenever we found out about coronaviruses, is that whoever's going to virus going to virus, yeah, and bitch is going to die, yeah, and that sucks. And I, you know, Dart so could have been prepare one. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Yeah, he he smoked cigarettes for thirty years, like. I might have had some sort of autoimmune I didn't know about. Like, we could have been people I'm, who were going to die. I'm 53 years old. I chain-smoked all of my adult life looking for an easy way out. A yeah. lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, a lot of chain-smoking, no exercise. No exercise. I go to my doctor, and my doctor's like, you vaccinated? I'm like, nah. And he's like, he's like, oh, well, you know, I, I'm like, are you? And he's like, I felt if he's... You know, he's going to ask me. I'm going to ask him. So yeah. I'm like, are you? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got I got two shots. And he's, this is like a 35-year-old, like, buff doctor dude who goes to the gym all the time. And I'm like, so he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, I just got over COVID. So he got the shots, like, two months ago. And then he's like, yeah, I just got over my case of COVID. But I guess, you know, I'm glad I got the shots, so it probably wasn't as bad. And I'm like, well, tell me what it was like. His case was worse than my case as a 53-year-old ex-chain-smoking layabout. And he's like, well, thank God I got that thing that was supposed to protect me from the thing. And he got it worse than I did as an old dude. That's a doctor, my doctor, fucking guy I go to. Right. I don't talk to him about this stuff so much anymore. <laughs> I do my own research online. Oh, no. YouTube videos, man. Oh, no. Anyway, uh, I don't know how far you want to go down into the ridiculousness of the NPR article. Uh, I think you can get an idea. Who's responsible for this writing? Um some lady. Three ladies? I don't know. It took three ladies to do that? Getting credit. Oh, my God. Three people to put this together. Okay. Mask up indoors in public places. That's bullshit. Um, downsize or cancel the holiday party. Let's not be social. You know, when uh, anxiety and issues related to anxiety and fear are the number two comorbidity of a disease, best thing we should do is just isolate and not hang out with people we love. That'll make you healthy. It's for your health. That'll make you real healthy. <sighs> NPR blows. Um, use testing to shore up safety. Okay, let's go back to the very beginning where they talk about cases rising. Can we just say, talk about that bullshit? <laughs> we talk about it every week. There are more cases. So what they're saying is this virus spreads everywhere. People aren't getting very sick if they get sick. Yeah. It's spreading everywhere. And there's a 13% rise in cases that don't do much to people. It's really, really shitty. Like, these are things to be mad about. Like, um, our intellects are being taken advantage of by the people in power. Um, this, this, uh, as if we don't know that illnesses spread. It's cognitive rape. How's that's, that? Ooh, uh, that's a Cognitive pretty- molestation? Um, yeah, maybe we should stay away from trademarking any phrases that use the word rape. Yeah. I would think in this, in this day and age, (laughs) I agree with the etymology of the phrase. Me too. For sure. Me too. It absolutely is. Um, uh, it's, it's almost more insidious than that though. Me too. Oh my God. I see what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, 
Fucking NPR. Darren shares really good yeah. video on BitChute, why the sleepers keep sleeping. Oh, a boy. trauma therapist uh-huh. talking about the parallels between an abuse at the family relationship level and Ooh. what the state is doing. This is so much of what we That's the have, story. have been doing, in um, the, especially the second half of season two of post-orthodoxy, just talking about trauma awareness and being trauma-informed. And the yes. I'm listening to everything you're saying. Okay. And the, the, the concept of a mass formation, which is a really nice psychological term for mob psychology. Yeah. Um, ma- a mass formation happens when people are lonely and anxious and they don't know who to turn to or who to trust. And they have a lot of free floating aggression and, and anxiety and um, some other thing. And then someone comes along and says, here's a bad guy to hate. Here's a good guy to love. Here's things you can do so you know who's on your team. A and rallying so that, point. And so that yeah. you feel little rituals, so that you feel like you're part of something, and you have something you can do to solve whatever is making you anxious and unhappy. False sense of power. And that's exactly what happened last year. Um, people were given an enemy to fight, multiple yep. enemies to fight, yep. and heroes to rally behind, the nurses and Fauci. Uh, um, Lord Fauci. <laughs> Science himself. <laughs> Um, and rituals to perform to feel as though they were part of a group. So you wear your mask, you see other masked people, you feel safe, you feel, a, people. Ma- you feel a sense of belonging. Um, you see your friend's profile bubbles on Facebook that say um, vaxxed and loving it or whatever it says, and you feel safe and you feel a sense of belonging and you feel a sense of camaraderie and you feel like you're doing something and you feel like all this free-floating anxiety that you've had for the last decade because your life is pointless and you have no power over your elected representatives is being channeled into doing something to make life better for the people you care about. I can mass shame people. I can mass shame people. I can people. find enemies everywhere and be a righteous crusader for the cause. Uh, Mark French says cognitive molestation is completely appropriate for the current manufacture of consent. Why, thank you. I agree. Cognitive molestation. Yeah. I just feel like people usually know when they're being molested. And no. Th- and, and people usually know when they're being molested. Uh, yeah. And so we need a more insidious word because oh. what NPR is doing is it's acting like you have, it's acting, it's like you never get sick in the winter. <laughs> you should be alarmed if you get sick in the winter. That's what NPR is doing. That's what everybody's doing. They're like, guys. It's pretty fucking insidious. Shocking and alarming that people are getting sick in the winter time. So somehow like all the institutions that we used to trust, I think it was a long thing, but it was like, it's like, you know, you ever see the map of like how like a, a virus, a virus takes over like, and you see the country the turn, red spread, like, turn red. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what happened with our institutions where there were some that were like, yeah, that's a dodgy institution, but thank God this one still works. And none of them are working now. Like, like financial, um, representative, uh, democratic institutions, Institution, uh, institutions for public health, mm. institutions for public, public education. education, institutions for public safety, institutions for uh, they, they've all somehow turned a color without people realizing. Yeah, like they just got infected with this narrative that is a, so it's like an easily provable lie. And yet people are just like, well, I'm not going to say it because then I'll be unpopular. It's the weirdest you didn't go to public school, so you don't. You're, you're sort of. I don't know. You have, how, yeah. you have immunity to that kind of bullshit somewhat because of that. Yeah. But if you ever went to public school, you just have to. You, there's a, so much go along to get if along. Otherwise, you may it. not get laid. Yeah, <laughs> that's the primal thing. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of well-meaning people who are still being motivi- motivated by wanting to get laid, whether they're realizing it or not, mm. and they don't realize the people running the planet are not motivated by that. Right. 
Um, Mrs. Yardy recommends the phrase cognitive grooming. Cognitive grooming. Mm. Oh, that's really good. You don't usually know when you're being groomed that's by, an, by an authority figure who is manipulating you and preparing you to receive whatever form of molestation is to come. Grooming. I love it. Uh, you both get gold stars, Mark French. She wrote, she wrote it first. Mark French walked us down the road. Uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> right. He walked us there and she, right, she right, walked right. us through the door. <laughs> Cognitive oh. grooming. Wow. So yeah, we still it's it's really uh, destabilizing to imagine that all the things that you relied on as responsible institutions, it's like the denial is it's not hard to have that level of denial because the implications of losing all of your daddies. Mm. Or whatever authority figure or nurturing figure you cling to to or, feel as though you're not alone. Or insular, you know, whether insulating Whether it's your figure. mommy or your teacher or your pastor or your politician. Or security or safety. Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal for people. Right now, people are feeling unstable. And it's like, yeah. how can I be secure and safe? Well, f- the, the mass formation came along and gave you the means to feel safe, which is why we need to have ultimate compassion for our traumatized loved ones that got scooped. Yeah. There's been a lot of been a lot of trauma. Yeah. It's a traumatized kind of country. Other countries have handled this differently. Uh I'm mad at NPR. I'm gonna stay mad for a little bit. <laughs> hey, everybody on Twitch. We have five people watching on Twitch right now. Yep. Y'all better friend request me back on Twitch. Um, people tuning in on Facebook, leave some angry faces or ha ha faces to entice future viewers to check out this scandalous right. video. They, and if you're about? on YouTube, hit like. We have two people watching on YouTube and only one thumbs up on the video. So oh make sure God. you subscribe and so hit the like button. We have a lover and a hater. Over I here. used to be really like averse. I'm still struggling with it. Yeah. I just, I felt like it was shallow and pointless of me to like things. You know, I should, I should pay, like, if I see a friend's post, I should only like it if I, like, really like it. Oh, right, right. Don't be too loose. I can't just be like, boop, 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 Yeah, boop. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you got to show some discernment and it gets I think that's just kind of head. an old, yeah. it's just an old. Yeah. Likes, like, it's an right. old way of thinking. Right. It's but serving, I, it. it has the word like. It's literally Which free. makes you think that you're supposed to like it, but it's literally just a way of showing support. Showing that I saw it. And that you are giving them, you know, the... Yeah. What do you uh, call that? 86 it, the, people. The endorphin exactly. yeah, thing. Give them a little... In, yeah. Little why, why would I not? If I follow an artist on Instagram who does little videos oh, of God, her painting process... Oh, God, those little process, things. Oh, it makes uh, me want to go do more artwork. Why don't I like... Why don't I... I just sit there sometimes. I'm like, why do I have... Why am I averse to hitting the heart on mm. this video on Instagram? I think something about being a joiner or being sucked into the... Like maybe I'm being sucked into the realm or something. Mm. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. But I definitely advocate for you liking all of our shit. Yeah, like our oh, shit. Oh, now we have four likes on YouTube. That's oh, nice. crazy. How do we have four likes and only one person watching? That's amazing. I don't know what's going anyway, on. Anyway, these numbers are not the accurate. The CIA doesn't count. The CIA doesn't, isn't, isn't letting us know everybody yeah. that's tuning in. But that's great. That's really encouraging, guys. Thanks. Cognitive grooming. I'm going to stick with that Oof. one for a second. Ouch. Um, uh, God. Wow. So that NPR, I don't think we need to go further. I think you get the idea. So. Do you know who? Um, I want to go back to something that a friend of the show shared with us. Okay, good. Donna, mm-hmm. your friend from 
She, che- she tuned in a couple weeks ago on our videos and shared articles about how hospitals were being filled up with unvaccinated patients. Oh, yeah. It's like Donna, Denise, Debbie. So Denise. Denise. Okay. Um, so Denise, uh, Mark Friends wants to know if he can subscribe on Patreon. We uh, have no, a subscription basis through our website right now, Mark French, um, and that is on postorthodoxy.com. Yeah, you're going to just pull it up? Mm-hmm. It uses Stripe super secure we paid for all the security um and you can do a monthly subscription of five dollars or more than five dollars if you want to and if you want to leave us a review we're also going to be adding a review section on that page so that when people show up there they're like oh it looks like other people who are smart like this show so Mm. maybe i will also like this show Um, but any kind of support that you can throw our way we really appreciate because we put a lot of work into this content and these conversations yeah but yeah, you can um you can set up a, a little monthly subscription and five dollars a month is only sixty bucks a year. So how, how are you feeling about the show today? It's pretty good. Are you having a good time? I am. Thank you, you very much, Mark. You want me to make you a couple of make us a couple of cocktails? You're gonna go away and make cocktails? I have a video we could watch for a couple of minutes and I could just make some cocktails real quick. <laughs> what do you think? Sure. <laughs> um if you go to the show page. I was going to talk about these. I was going to investigate these articles that Denise sent. Well, I want to set this up while you're investigating. This is something to watch while we can investigate other stuff. So this is uh, on the show page. There's a guy in the polo shirt. Um, I think that's Steve Kirsch. Oh. This is part of like a thread. The biggest fraud in American history? Yeah. And it is, uh, I guess, Steve Hirsch. So maybe it's worth looking up Steve Hirsch to a... I think it's Steve Hirsch. I think that's who the guy is in the video. Um, but it's just a Twitter video. And if you go to the thread, he has several videos mm-hmm. where he's he's breaking down. He's he's somebody who's gone contrary to the narrative. And he's a billionaire, so he can do something about it. So he's starting in this thing. He's starting to talk about an ad campaign that he's going to fund to help fucking destroy, the to help with the narrative collapse. Hmm. It's like, these bitches canceled me. I'm a fucking billionaire. Fuck you. We're going to collapse your goddamn narrative. So this this is a little video where he's sort of sort of laying out a post-Orthodox perspective on what the fuck has been going on and what we should do to keep it from uh, continuing to go on. Fascinating. So he's just doing a bunch of little videos in a thread. In oh, a thread. it's a very long... Oh, I just lost the original one. It's a very long thread. Yeah, yeah, it's a very long. So okay. it's number 16 is the one that I was going to Yeah, I got up. it. I got it. Um. I'm going to make us a cocktail, what do you think? Wait, 15. Nothing is improved. The no mechanism of vac- of action can, that can... <sighs> Say it again. There is no mechanism of action that can possibly justify that people are better off after vax. That's yeah, what he's saying. show me the data on that one. Show me on the data. So maybe we can just watch that for a second for our audience to get... Um, I think it might be worth a, well, a I will full be sitting here examination to run it. of the thread. It's only a minute and 45 seconds long, so don't hurt yourself running up the stairs. We'll watch another video afterwards. Watch another one, and I'll come back. And then we'll dig into... Like, I pulled up an article on Steve Kirsch, the first thing that came up on Google, which was talking about how he's a nut, of course. Oh, yes. So, don't trust that guy. Yeah, we'll look into that in a second, and I'll be right back. All right, Stay fun. tuned to the show. <laughs> maybe... Yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, you can go have a bathroom break if you want yeah. or just watch this video with me. There's no mechanism of action that could possibly justify that people are going to be better off after getting these vaccinations. Nothing is improved. You are not immortal. You are just the opposite. 
your immune system is compromised. You're more going to be more likely to get COVID. In the UK, they showed that 40-year-olds, after the honeymoon period goes, 40-year-olds <clears throat> were twice as likely to get infected if they were vaccinated. You have, in the US, you have hospitals where you have a 50% vaccination, uh, community vaccination rate, and the hospital admissions are 80% vaccinated people. Okay, you can't, you can't make these statistics up. And in fact, the CDC was confronted by these statistics and they just ignored them. Well, that's why they create their own. That's why they, they, yeah, they, make, up, they make up they stuff. They published that paper that was absolute ridiculous nonsense, yet it was accepted by almost everyone who believes the narrative. And yeah, so nobody tried to dialogue with, they'll say, look, you get the vaccine and you're gonna, you're, the risk of dying is going to be two thirds less. Yes. I mean, and they believe it. Yes. That's there's, the problem. There's, there's, yes. It's like, yes, it, it just shows you this was an existence proof. This paper was an existence proof. This paper shows that the CDC can put out anything. And as long as it has that little <laughs> CDC logo on it, oh, they're going to believe it. And it was kind of a test. Like the next one will say, hey, we found this drug that will, um, you know, double your lifespan. You know, and when they come up with this ridiculous stuff, like nobody in the medical community, do you see anyone in the medical community that is disputing this thing? No, no, no. no. Mm. What happened? Nothing. We played it. How was it? It seems as though he's on Odyssey. He's a, a and he's sharing maniac. he's sharing tiny clips from his Odyssey. Steve Kirch, tech millionaire. So this is the first thing that comes up on, this is how we do our stuff, right? This is Google, so put that into context. Right. And then the first thing that comes up is technology review. They want me to accept some cookies. I don't want. <laughs> you don't want any cookies? This tech millionaire went from COVID trial funder to misinformation super spreader. Oh, there was nowhere in between where no. he suddenly had a reason to stop funding the COVID trials. Nope. He, he just, just went, went crazy. crazy. <laughs> went from COVID trial fund. So when I hear that first part of the sentence, I think this is a person that knows things about COVID trials. <laughs> Tech millionaire. But apparently he didn't. Went from COVID trial funder to misinformation super spreader. Oh, my God. A subheading. After boosting unproven, uh, after boosting unproven COVID drugs and campaigning against vaccines, Steve Kirsch was abandoned by his team of scientific advisors and left out of a job. A billionaire is without a job. Uh, in the early days of the pandemic, as billions of dollars poured into the hunt for novel treatments and vaccines, veteran Silicon Valley entrepreneur Steve Kirsch. Did what he's already, what he's always done. Went looking mm. for the un underdog. Anyway, I'll have to read that article. Wow, uh, whatever uh, this Twitter account is, they're compiling calls for an inquiry into the care home residents who died of broken hearts. Oh, wow. A 1981 study from the annals of the Royal College of Surgeons of England who found that no masks were worn in a particular operating theater for six months and there was zero increase in the incidence of wound infection. Huh. Huh. Yeah, I just found this guy today before the show, so I haven't had a chance to vet any of his stuff, so I don't, I don't vouch for this source. I'm just saying, source I found, Steve Kurtz, somebody we've heard of, 
billionaire gone rogue. Vaccine ambassadors are being stationed at supermarkets, shopping centers, and transport hubs to encourage people to get boost. Hashtag get boosted now. We met some of them in Manchester to hear how they're supporting the national effort on hashtag COVID-19 boosters. So these are people standing in a supermarket like the guy that ding, ding, ding. Oh, like the Hare Krishnas. No. Oh. Salvation, Salvation Army. Army Santas. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what the fuck are you talking about. <laughs> well, it looks religious to me, handing the pamphlets out for no, our Lord No, they're not just Savior. handing the pamphlets out. They're stuffing them in people's shopping carts as they walk by. Oh, that's invasive. Yeah. Um, and and the boosters again. How about missed cancer scans, heart attacks, strokes? Mm-hmm. Wow. Stefan Lanka is another person that Anonalyzer 713 is sharing. This is very interesting. Spike protein expressed in all parts of the body, especially in pregnant women. So he's just, this is a... And he's linking the sources. To me, this is a great place to start and then go look up all the people and the things that he's posting. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's how we do our work. Like, this is information I didn't get from MSNBC or NPR or Fox News. Yes. I didn't get this from there. I got it from this cat. But this person has a reason to be sharing all this stuff. Steve Kirch is a real person. I can go look up and find out about his story and oh, why he went rogue. Oh, has been suspended on Twitter. Yes. He's been censored, <sighs> banned. God. Banished to the hinterland. All right. So we keep saying, why the hell with the boosters? And folks send us articles like this one that Denise sent us saying, yeah. COVID patients in ICU now almost all unvaccinated, says Oxford scientist. I haven't been seeing that anywhere on the planet. And here's another one. Unvaccinated patients are filling Minnesota's ICUs. Okay. So what do you do about a headline like that? Like, I feel like I need to call that hospital and be like, are you really talking about unvaccinated patients? Or are you talking about patients who've only had a couple of their shots or like, you know what? That's a great idea. And I think for us to do that, um, if you go to postorthodoxy.com, there's a subscribe button. (laughs) And if we raise enough money, we will do your research for you. Definitely call hospitals in Oxford. We'll do your research for you. Like I, I don't trust the sources that are being shared. They've already been shown we to already be know, like I mean who like, pays the Guardian? Who yeah. funds the Guardian? I'm they, gonna go to Duck Duck. They have some good stuff and they have like they have some, you know, they're just another corporate newspaper that's continuing the narrative, even though they do get edgy sometimes and say, Yeah, actually PCR tests don't work or whatever, you know. Who funds the Guardian newspaper? Mm. This is from. Oh, you're on DuckDuckGo. Interesting about interesting facts about newspapers. Mm. Who finances the Guardian? Guardian Media Group PLC is a British-based mass media company owning various media operations, including the Guardian and the Observer. The group is wholly owned by the Scott Trust Limited, which exists to secure the financial and editorial independence of the Guardian in perpetuity. Founded mm. by John Edward Taylor, editor. Uh, publisher Guardian Media Group. So Guardian Media Group, who owns the Scott Trust? The Scott Trust Limited is the British company that owns Guardian Media Group and thus the Guardian and the Observer. In 2008, it replaced the Scott Trust, which had owned the Guardian since 1936. Who funds the Guardian Australia? Okay, all right, so... So when you say... So like a trust means some some entity put money into that trust. Okay, let's go back to DuckDuckGo. Who put the entity into the trust? I'm in an incognito window, and I'm going to DuckDuckGo. Scott Trust Limited. 
Scott Trust Limited is the British Wikipedia. We'll start there. It's the British company that owns the Guardian Media Group and thus the Guardian and the Observer. So that blog completely plagiarized whatever Wikipedia says. The company is responsible, blah, blah. The current chair of Scott Trust Board is Alex Graham. Let's just ask him who he is. Uh, let's see. Born in Glasgow. Who is he related to? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Mm. I'm sure if we, I don't know the names of all of the. Uh, well, the paper is also. The, the baddies in the uh, UK circuit. Right. You know, like if I know, I'm beginning to know the names of the baddies in the US news circuit. But I'm not sure if I would see a particular name pop up in the UK, like, oh, the Koch Foundation or, right, right. you know. And, and know what you're supposed to feel about it. Yeah. I would have, this would take time. You would have to figure out why you have to feel about those things in blue. Mm-hmm. Why do you have feelings about it? Um, Guardian has had some good coverage and some shitty coverage. I mean, stuff is totally, the narrative is not going to be popped by the Guardian. So anyway, Steve Kirch guy seems like a rabbit hole to go down. Mm. Yeah, and I like the idea of looking up. Yeah, I like the idea of researching where the Guardian's funding comes from, mm. which would only be a part of the picture, really, you know. Um, but then this, let's look at this article. COVID patients in ICU now almost all unvaccinated. So does that mean almost all unvaccinated as in like six out of eight people? in the ICU are unvaccinated? Don't know. And are they people who have never had one of the COVID treatments? All right, let's see. It's no longer a disease of the vaccinated. (laughs) Nice co-opting of the term. Let's see. Generally, COVID-19 is no longer a disease of the vaccinated. Vaccines tend to limit its suffocating affliction with a few exceptions. Latest wave. Show me some numbers. Show me some data. Oh, my God. There's literally no data. No. Okay. All right. The latest wave of the virus in the UK, which is now rising rapidly in parts of Europe, will directly translate, will translate into a stream of mostly unvaccinated patients. Wait. (laughs) The, The headline of this article said the ICU is full of mostly unvaccinated people. Right. But this study says... It will be full of mostly unvaccinated people. Oh, prognosticators. Hmm. They have some wizards working there. I am concerned. We do really have quite high levels of transmission in the UK. My personal preference would be that we should really try to get these rates down. We know that masks do work because there are people who are unvaccinated for various reasons, and we do need to try to reduce the level of circulation of the virus as well as getting up vaccination rates. No single measure by itself is going to be successful. We need the combination of measures, which includes revaccination, third doses, but also wearing masks and being very careful not to transmit the virus. Okay, you do not get to decide whether you transmit it or not. (laughs) Sorry. Also, it's never going to go away, and also there will never be no cases. Yeah, this whole this we have to get the cases down <sighs> of the of the new variant that is not killing people. We have to we have to keep the old variant that is killing people. <laughs> we can't bring around the new variant. But we'll go out to business. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm going to Financial Times dot. Uh, ig.ft.com yep. slash coronavirus dash chart 
Mm. I go here all the time for my data. I'm plugging in the U.S. and the U.K. just for comparison. We're going to yeah. look at deaths. Do they have cents, it? Yeah. Mm, August. No. October. No. Is September. It? We'll say since September, September of this year. Because it's yeah. December right now. Some data so, should be able to come in since September. Yes. Yeah, so deaths, new deaths. Per 100K, which gives us a percentage rather than numbers. Obviously, there are going to be thousands of people who died in New York City because there are millions of people in New York City. But how many people died per 100,000? Mm. That's right, how you right. level it out. Like yeah, There are right, more right. people in New York City than there are in the entire state of Montana, which is as big as the entire country of Germany. So obviously, there are more deaths total in New York City than there are in Montana. But how many people died per 100K? Yeah, that's a good thing to know. All right. So in <laughs> what? it just keeps going down. Oh. It's just, it's just a chart of down. <laughs> oh, my God. The Omicron's here. <laughs> <laughs> we really have to just stop this. <laughs> just have to stop it. <laughs> okay. So I really want to know what happened. Um, all right. So. You're seeing this. Yeah. <laughs> the UK deaths are currently at seven day rolling average of deaths in the UK. Less than a quarter of a person. <laughs> We've got to get this under control. <laughs> Guys, I care. Shun your family members. Don't go for Christmas. But guess what? I care about more than just COVID deaths. Because oh, what? You know what we That's don't... the most important death right now. No other death matters. You know what we don't have right now is a chart showing how many people have died of suicide in the last three months. Yeah, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Nobody's collating that data. This huh. data is being drawn from John Hopkins, World Health Organization, UK Government Coronavirus Dashboard, various other world health and government organizations. Um and they're constantly posting retractions when governments adjust their data based on new information. Mm, cases are going up. Oh, yeah. Seven-day rolling average. The UK currently has more than 100 cases okay. per 100,000. Okay. While deaths continue to decline. This is what we want. This that, is normal. This, is the, this should be good news. This, this is good news that and newspaper, it's normal. That headline should be good news. Good news, everyone. Also, More people getting the virus, yeah. less people getting sick and dying. Good news. That should be good news. Nowhere in that newspaper article did it say what they were talking about when they said. <laughs> you read the, the whole thing? The, yeah. The headline says COVID patients in ICU now almost all unvaccinated, says Oxford scientist. Do you have that one thing that we did? It was like the newspaper article that was like. Three people died from COVID. Oh, I was God. like, yeah, 12 people died. Three of them had COVID, though. You know, it was like it was like one of those things yeah. where they're just like, <laughs> what the fuck? I don't even know where that is. Um, but, yeah, he says the latest, this, here. Yeah. Here. Pollard, Ooh. one of those scientists behind the AstraZeneca vaccine, mm. said COVID would still pile pressure on the national health system of Britain this winter with unvaccinated patients requiring intensive care and double-jabbed patients who are older and frail still at risk of life-threatening health issues. I hate all these new classist labels. I was I follow an artist on uh. Instagram today, and she posted a beautiful little video of herself doing a watercolor process art. And she said, um, for her caption on her beautiful video, she said, like if you're vaccinated, comment if you're boosted. 
just throw up in your mouth a little bit. <laughs> Why? Like, get the fuck out of here. What the fuck? Oh, so you have more freedom to interact if you're boosted is what she's saying. No, no. It's no, only thing. like if you're. No, it's just. She just fuck wants. All that. She just. It's a numbers. It's a little poll. It's a little poll. People do that a lot. Like they'll post a picture of like Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, Severus Snape, and Draco Malfoy. And they'll be like, leave a heart emoji if you think Hermione should marry Harry Potter and leave a like emoji if you think Hermione should marry Ron Weasley and leave a laugh emoji if you think no. Hermione should read. You know, so it's that I, sort of thing. I'm reading. No, I think it's different. Say, say the thing again. about Like if you're vaccinated, comment if you're boosted. Right. You can like if you're vaccinated. But you can only comment if you're completely boosted. Most recent boost. Yeah, because the unvaccinated are so, I mean, the vaccinated are sort of down. They're not really in compliance unless you get the booster, right? So you are not only, really saving lives anymore. You only get to like. You can only comment if you've wow, been boosted. I'm seeing it in a much more insidious way now. That's how I like to see things that way. Oh, <laughs> this, is, this is why we're good foils for each other. <laughs> um, guys, take a minute and invite a couple of friends. We'll keep talking as long as there are folks around to talk with. Do you have any comments? Oh, hell yeah. And you saw what we were doing with the Twitter thing. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah, If please. you do the Twitter thing, and even if you don't, do the Twitter thing. You can still go to Twitter because that's where we're posting most of our uh, informational um, starting points mm-hmm. that we look at before our show. So if you want to sort of get an idea of where we're coming from and the view. Now, we don't agree with everything that we post, but sometimes I'm showing stuff just because that's a, a vector. Yeah. And we are doing an story. extra long show today. Normally, we'd wrap it up about now, and that's great. Um, we are doing. Have to an, do another cocktail. <laughs> we're doing an extra long show today. Um, however long it seems like you'd like to hang out and talk. If you have anything in particular that you want to talk about, we have the whole Rothschild thing. Where are you going? I'm going to take my robe off now. Oh yeah, you warm enough? Yeah. It's such a good look for you, though. Okay. <laughs> back. Um, so anyway. Denise, and thank you, thank you for tuning in a couple weeks ago and sharing these articles, Denise. But um, this article should make you be suspicious of your news sources because they used a headline in a day and age when we know most people don't read past the headlines of articles. They used a headline that said, "COVID patients in the ICU are now almost all unvaccinated people." And then they don't back that up with any information. No, or data. It, no, it's it's a it's actually a lie. Yeah, because the Oxford scientists did not say that COVID patients in the ICU are almost all unvaccinated. He said, if we're not careful and get our boosters, COVID patients in the ICU will be it's mostly pretty, unvaccinated people. Prognosticating, yes. He's making a hypothesis, and it would be perfectly fine if the Guardian would like to print a news article saying. Co- Oxford scientist hypothesizes that COVID patients this winter will be all mostly unvaccinated people. Mm. That would be accurate. That would be accurate journalistic reporting. I still can't even find um, the the article, the scientific article. The latest wave of the virus in the UK, which is now rising rapidly in parts of Europe, will directly translate into a stream of mostly unvaccinated patients entering the ICU, he said in the article, jointly offered with Professor Brian Angus, a professor of infectious disease at University of Oxford. To prevent serious illness, these people need first and second doses of the vaccine as soon as possible. Oh, so yeah, that's policy. He's talking about policy again. 
He's not talking about well, he's actual not talking data. About, he's not talking about something that's happening right now. No. He's talking about something that he believes will happen this winter, but The Guardian reports it as if it is happening now. So unfortunately, that article does not support Denise's perspective that unvaccinated people are the ones who are getting it worse right now. Let's look at the other article. Unvaccinated patients are filling Minnesota's intensive care units. I'm not going to go into who funds the Star Tribune because right. I generally just don't trust any mainstream news source in the U.S. at all. They're a part of the narrative. It's a launch platform to go and try to find information and data to see what my friends and neighbors are reading about. Yep. But in general, most news sources in the U.S. are funded and, are funded and corrupt. The narrative slant is sus. <laughs> the doctors and nurses... Oh, I'm not even reading this emotional... Oh, can we skip this one? God. Oh, we'll just do it. It's like the CNN one where the doctor was it's all so like, emotional. I just feel like this stuff. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, well, thanks, doctor. Yeah. Mark French says, I had the virus twice before being vaccinated to ease travel restrictions to cities I have to work in sometimes. I absolutely refuse to get boosted. The whole thing has just shown corruption and idiocy. I'm literally like texting friends and loved ones and mean like, I really hope you're not getting the booster because like we're You having are? Yeah. You're not a doctor. I have... I, I, I can say, I hope that you're not getting it. Yeah. And only to some people. Like, I have a family member who's in the military. And be like, I really hope that you're able to get some sort of exemption. They just shot down the religious exemption for the military. Oh, God. Yeah, I just, I just saw an article that, that, like, several thousand Marines retired over the week or were dishonorably discharged because they refused to get the shot. Yeah, and they're not doing the religious exemption either, which it shouldn't have to be. It should be a constitutional exemption, like... Your dad used. Right. It should totally be you. It's, it's, it's unconstitutional. Thing. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> All right. So unvaccinated Minnesota COVID and non-COVID patients combined to leave. Okay. Minnesota reported a 2021 record of six, 1,678 COVID-19 hospitalizations on Thursday and that COVID and non-COVID patients combined to leave only 18 out of 1,012 staffed adult ICU beds open. Okay, let's unpack that. So they're having more hospitalizations. They okay. have not they have they do not say how many of those 1678 covid hospitalizations were unvaccinated people. So right. we don't know. We don't know. Many of those people were probably vaccinated and many were probably unvaccinated, but we don't know how many. And we don't know why they're at the hospital. Are they there with or Are of? they there because of complications of covid-19 or are they there for something else? I had they have a, other comorbidities. I had a friend shit. who went in to yeah. get her annual gynecology exam and they did a covid test on her and told her she was sick. Even though she wasn't sick. So she was COVID she was at the counted, hospital. She was counted as a COVID case in the hospital. That's awesome. Um, all right. COVID and non-COVID patients combined to leave only 18 of 1,000 a thousand, a thousand ICU beds open. Okay. This is normal. We don't normally have a lot of ICU beds lying open. Yeah. Um, but this is the first time you and your loved ones have been hearing about ICU beds. Yeah, how many beds did we make uh, during the last, with all the p pandemic money? Like, how many new hospitals and beds did we spend money on? Because they're so built, full. I know we built so a bunch full. of prisons recently. Four, there's been four big prisons. Yeah. But I haven't heard of, like, new... New ICU beds or wings. They actually limited beds because of distancing. Right. The thing, so... so it's Palo Santo. Oh, Palo Santo, yeah. Um, so... This is why we need to be very careful about what people are saying to us. COVID mm. and non-COVID patients combined. So 
there are a bunch of people in the ICU. Some of them are in the ICU with COVID. Some of them are in the ICU without COVID. No numbers. Well, we haven't gotten that far yet. Okay. Um, 18 beds available in Minnesota as of that week of the mm-hmm. report. Um, and they're talking about staffed. They're very careful. 18, ah. 18 out of 1,000 staffed ICU beds. So when they fired a bunch of staff for not having the vaccine, that might have limited the amount of staffed rooms they could have. What do you think? You think that might be a thing? I'm glad they said staffed. They're covering their asses. Thank God there's integrity in their journalism. (laughs) Let's see if the headline is ever supported. Okay. Um, Let's see. Amidst wows and cheers, Dr. Hassan smiled and wished she could have given the team positive news like her colleague said. Okay, I hate this kind of emotional shit in my news. No. No, no, no. All right. (laughs) Show me the data. Show me the data. This is the news. This is not like an emotional TikTok video. No, it's, it's infotainment. Breakthrough infections in fully vaccinated Minnesotans have become a larger share of the state's pandemic wave this fall. Hmm. That doesn't sound like what the headline was saying. It sounds the opposite of that. Prompting recommendations for booster doses because of waning immunity from initial shots. Hmm. Vaccinated people made up little more than 20% of coronavirus infections and COVID-19 hospitalizations at the beginning of the latest wave in July. By the last week of October... Vaccinated people made up 45% of infections and 33% of hospitalizations. Hmm. Okay, so those are going up. Uh, Let's see. Collectively on Tuesday, the Alina and Sanford Hospital Systems of Minnesota reported 124 COVID-19 patients in ICU and 114 or 92% were unvaccinated. So now. Yeah. At this point, because I know I've been lied to by the news and the government, <laughs> because I know I've been lied to, yeah, I need to call those hospital systems right. and find out if all of those patients that were marked as unvaccinated had actually not received any of the COVID-19 treatments yet. Because I have been lied to by the news and the government right. in the past where they have said that people were in the hospital not fully vaccinated, which implies that they're unvaccinated. But it might, it, at this point, it might just mean they haven't had the booster. At this point, they might be calling them unvaccinated if they haven't had the booster. These are the things that we could know. We could know these and things. And we probably should know to make an informed uh, perspective on this story. You know what's easier than this, the doctor said? Oh, you're reading it the way I do. Read it like NPR. <laughs> Nine unvaccinated COVID-19 patients filled all nine staffed, staffed, fucking love that. Yep. Nine unvaccinated COVID-19 patients filled all nine staffed ICU beds on Friday at St. Joseph's Medical Center in Brainerd. Three patients needing intensive care were receiving it instead in the emergency department. Dr. Greg Davis, the ICU director, recalled a cardiac arrest during an emergency procedure last week and a response team rushing in to save the COVID-19 patient. You know what's easier than all of this, he said, looking up at the relieved team after the patient was stabilized getting two shots 
All right. If the story were true. Yeah. And the shots kept you from going into cardiac arrest in the hospital. Oh. And if the story were true that you go into cardiac arrest of the hospital because of this virus, then yes, it would be easier to just get two shots. Ah. But we have way too much evidence that neither of those things are true. It does feel a bit manipulative. Mark French says... Like like cognitive grooming, perhaps. (laughs) It's weird that you get sick in the wintertime. Get to the point in the article where they talk about uh, avoiding getting seriously ill by taking vitamin D, uh, C, A, zinc, and... Um, and early treatments you can do to prevent hospitalization yeah, when and intubation. Do they, I'm sure they get to that. In, I'm sure that, they let people know how would, to not die. Like, if that's the case, then at the end they should tell people how to not get sick and go to the hospital through yeah. um, established protocols that have been saving lives. That's probably somewhere at the bottom of the article, huh. right? Yeah. The median age of COVID-19 patients who died in intensive care in Minnesota over the past seven months was 82. Okay. Seven months? Seven months? Range, median, mode, and mean. What does median mean? Because this is important. Yeah. It's a way of looking at statistics. The median is the middle number. This is not the average. The median is the middle number in a sorted list of numbers. So if you have the number one, the number three, the number seven, the number eight, the number nine, blah, blah, blah. The median is the physically middle number. Interesting. Yeah. What a weird statistic to pull. Mm. It's not... The most people who died were about 82. It's the not what median. it's saying. The, the number in the middle. That would, that would be the, the mean or the average. The av- you would say the, right, the average, average age, right. the mean age of people who died was 82. That's what you think you're reading when you see this, but that's not what the, guard, that's not what, um, the Star Tribune is saying. They're saying the median age. So we had a... 60-year-old and an 80-year-old and an 82-year-old and an 85-year-old and a 90-year-old. So the median age is the 82-year-old, the one in the middle, uh. physical age in the middle, uh, who died in intensive care the past seven months was 82 for those who were vaccinated and 69 for those who were unvaccinated. While this partly reflects a higher vaccination rate among the elderly, State Health Commissioner Jan Malcolm also said it accentuates the risk, blah, blah, blah. All right. Well, I think that's the key. Our stories are baby food and people are like, I don't want that to be my mama bird puking information in my mouth. I know people who have a hard time with people who don't get vaccinated, said Reynolds, 66, a retired IT analyst for North Memorial. But I just don't want it. I just don't want the vaccine. Reynolds talks to his wife and plays music that she likes while the 69-year-old is on a ventilator. (laughs) Their last back-and-forth communication was on November 28th when her oxygen depletion was so bad that she couldn't text cohesive words. Mm. Was the the story with the lady, what else is going on with her? Um, Just, uh, they're not saying. So she, okay. Oh, Terry Reynolds of Plymouth has seen the impact on an almost daily basis since his wife, Carolyn, was declared no longer infectious and he was allowed to visit her. On Wednesday, he bowed his head at her bedside after 
and prayed after three weeks of intensive care that she would recover from COVID-19. He prayed too for all the patients on the floor, but the experience hasn't changed his mind on vaccination. Safety concerns and vaccinated friends who got COVID-19 have left him with no confidence in the shots. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think there's, there's, uh, there's no way for us to really know what's going on in Minnesota unless we actually get a hold of hospital records. Right. I mean, I know nurses here in Butte who would talk with patients and say, your chart says that you're unvaccinated. Would you like to get one of the shots? And they'd be like, I actually just got mine like three weeks ago, but I only got one of them. So I'm waiting for the second one or I got it, but it was only two weeks past mm. or I've got my vaccines, but I haven't got my booster, but their chart keeps coming up as unvaccinated. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mark French says, when Dark cited the Cornell breakout, it showed concretely that vaccines did absolutely nothing to stop transmission, which means I could have been quarantined immediately in some cities which could have got me kicked off a project potentially or maybe sued. So he specifically got the shots so that he could go to work sites and be presumed safe. Right. When in fact, if we're actually trying to prevent... If we're trying to like be like the International Space Station mm-hmm. and keep the virus out of the workplace, <laughs> right. he should have gone into quarantine for two weeks, even with the shots, because the shots do not keep you from transmitting the virus. Right. But we've created this class system. It's a class system for sure. Compliance where we, where or, we act yeah. like people are different. And they're not different. Right. Um, I found something just before the show. Unless we do, do we, where were we even? What are we talking about? I was going through those articles that Denise shared. Okay, so we're done with those articles now? Yeah. The Guardian, the Guardian get- article was um, bad news and it, the headline was lying. Right. And the Minnesota Star Tribune article is very emotional no. and sharing a lot of mixed statistics that don't support the headline. But the one section where they did share information that seemed to support the headline, that there are more unvaccinated people in ICU beds in Minnesota than vaccinated people, um, doesn't have any hospital data to back it up, at which point I know because the news and the government have been lying about how many people are actually vaccinated or not in the hospital. Yeah. Um, I know that Barring calling the Minnesota hospital systems and asking them on that week how many of those people were vaccinated or not in actual fact, I won't ever really know. Right. So, unfortunately, the Star Tribune did not cite their sources with data. So, I know a lot of the opinion. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, though. That's good. Uh, a lot of the opinions of uh, people in my community has come from what we, we learned early in this pandemic to call availability bias. Uh, say it three times and it's true kind of thing. Whatever if, you're used to hearing most, you tend to start thinking is the reality. Right. And uh, I want, I think we mentioned this last week a little bit, but I wanted to bring it to the attention of our audience another time because this is one of those things that got stuck in my craw a few months ago that. I feel like it's so justified in crowing about. So um, last week we talked about how John Stossel uh, sued Facebook for defamation of character because they labeled one of his posts misleading. Um, And then Meta or Facebook, whatever you want to call them, 
they weaseled out by saying, well, you know, our fact checks are actually protected uh, as opinion. That's what they actually said. <sighs> so that admission has opened the door for a few other wounded players to go s- talking to Facebook. And they're really. Yeah. So if you go to the page, the thing I put, put at the very bottom, this is from the BMJ. I'll look up the BMJ so you know who they are exactly. Um, Brigham Young. No, the BMJ is like, uh, let's see here. Where's the about? Our company. Intended for healthcare professionals, it says at the top. Yes. So it's a journal. It's a healthcare journal. Not intended for you. Right. This is for professionals. Because you're just a plebe. This is for professionals. And you can't know things. Um, That covers, it's in a lot of countries, right? So the BMJ is a sort of well-known, fairly well-respected medical journal. What I have found is, what, what do we have here? Let me find my piece. Uh, there's a link at the bottom under that headline, COVID-19 researcher blows whistle on data integrity issues. Oh, wait, that's not the thing that I want. It's not? I already pulled it up and everything. Okay, well, <laughs> let me... <laughs> Open letter from the BMJ to Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, that. Yeah. Okay, good. Start reading that. COVID-19. Read it like NPR. Researcher blows the whistle on data integrity issues in Pfizer's vaccine trial. You could know about this. We've read those. We talked about it on our show several times. Rapid response. An open letter from the BMJ to Mark Zuckerberg. Huh. So there's an article... And then a response. Interesting. Okay. Open letter from the BMJ to Mark Zuckerberg. Dear Mark Zuckerberg, we are Fiona Godley and Cameron Abbasi, editors of the BMJ, one of the world's oldest and most influential general medical journals. We are writing to raise serious concerns about the fact-checking, quote-unquote, being undertaken by third-party providers on behalf of Facebook and Meta. In September, a former employee of Ventavia, Ventavia, a contract research group company helping carry out main Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine trial, Began provide. I'm sorry, uh, they're not messing up. My words are messing up. Okay. In September, a former employee of Ventavia, a contract research company helping carry out the main Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine trial, began providing the BMJ with dozens of internal company documents, photos, audio recordings, and emails. These materials revealed a host of poor clinical trial research practices occurring at Ventavia that could impact data integrity and patient safety. We also discovered that despite receiving a direct complaint about these problems, over a year ago, the FDA did not inspect Ventavia's trial sites. The BMJ commissioned an investigative reporter to write up the story for our journal. The article was published on November 2nd, following legal review, external peer review, and subject to the BMJ's usual high-level editorial oversight and review. But from November 10th, readers began reporting a variety of problems when trying to share our article. Some reported being unable to share it. Many others reported having their posts flagged with a warning about, quote, missing context. Independent fact-checkers say this information could mislead people. Those people, those trying to post the article were informed by Facebook that people who repeatedly share quote-unquote false information might have their posts moved lower in Facebook's news feeds. This happened to Dark. Yep. We got one of those warnings. You can keep sharing this, but just so you know, if you do, we'll probably limit your viewership. We'd hate to see something happen to your post. (laughs) 
The BMJ goes on. Group administrators, where the article was shared, received messages from Facebook informing them that such posts were, quote, partly false. Readers were directed to a, quote, fact check performed by a Facebook contractor named Lead Stories. They're sharing sources with each of these things. Okay, Lead Stories, by the way, is a fact checker that we dealt with. I did a whole article about it, or at least we devoted a part of a show to it. Lead Stories is a... Uh, is operated by the Rand Corporation. Mm. The Rand Corporation is a military intelligence contractor, mm. just so you know, that specialize in propaganda and public relations between the military industrial complex and uh, the general folk. So that's who that's who Lead Stories is, by the way. Thank you. Thank you for all these emojis, guys, too. Um. We find the, quote, fact check performed by lead stories to be inaccurate, incompetent, and irresponsible. It fails to provide any assertions of facts that the BMJ article got wrong. Mm -hmm. It has a nonsensical title. (laughs) This is a problem. Most people don't even get past the words fact check. Yeah, exactly. Okay, the nonsensical title, quote, fact check. The BMJ journal, the BMJ did not reveal disqualifying and ignored reports of flaws in Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine trials, which, which is exactly what the article was about. <laughs> the BMJ did actually reveal <laughs> ignored reports of flaws. In, Back check. Yeah. The FDA ignored reports of flaws in Pfizer's vaccine trials. The first paragraph inaccurately labels the BMJ a news blog. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Wow, what a diss. JAMA, a news blog. That's a diss. Journal of American Medical Association, a news blog. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) It contains a screenshot of our article with a stamp over it stating flaws reviewed, despite the lead story's article not identifying anything false or untrue in the BMJ article. We've covered this on this several posts. This happens over and show. over again. The fact checkers are not actually dealing with what the the topics of the articles are. Ironically, they're they're, they're giving you misleading information. Yeah, they're lying to you, but they're 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 designed to make you mistrust whatever your friends are sharing because you're not going to click on it. Yeah. Okay. The BMJ continues. It published the story on its website under a URL that contains the phrase "hoax alert." Mm-hmm. We have contacted lead stories, but they refuse to change anything about their article or actions that have led to Facebook flagging our article. Huh. We've also contacted Facebook directly, requesting immediate removal of the fact-checking label and any link to the lead stories article, thereby allowing our readers to freely share the article on your platform. There is also a wider concern that we wish to raise. We are aware that the BMJ is not the only high-quality information provider to have been affected by the incompetence of Meta's fact-checking regime. To give another example, we would highlight the treatment by Instagram, also owned by Meta, of Cochrane, the international provider of high-quality systematic reviews of medical evidence. Rather than investing a portion of Meta's substantial profits to help ensure the accuracy of medical information shared through social media, you have apparently delegated the responsibility to people incompetent in carrying out this crucial task. So so Meta could have used someone who is actually experienced in reviewing medical data and journalistic articles. Oh, but they used the Rand Corporation. 
Fact-checking has been a staple of good journalism for decades. What has happened in this instance should be of concern to anyone who values and relies on sources such as the BMJ. Mm. And then they have a bunch of sources. So if you go back to uh, the show page and look, this is a screenshot from the Rand Corporation who funds uh, the people that wrote that article. Mm. And it's a pie chart showing who funds the Rand Corporation. Or lead stories or the Rand Corporation? Rand Corporation is who is funding lead stories. Oh, objective analysis, Rand Corporation. Objective analysis, effective solutions, revenue with a hypothesis, with an apost. App. <laughs> Asterix. Yeah. Revenue. Okay. Wow. I just did a screenshot, but I can send you the link. I'll put the link up too. Wow. Yeah. $349 million. Uh, 2020 net of subcontracts and RAND initiated research. <laughs> so I'm looking at... About 75% military funding. Yeah. Revenue. Secretary of Defense, U.S. Army, U.S. Air Force, Department of Homeland Security. That's, other. that's who's um, checking the BMJ's article. Hmm. Um, some offshoot of this funding. Oh, and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and related agencies. Uh-huh. So anyway, that's factcheck.org is a front for the is a operated by the Rand Corporation. Just lead FYI. stories. Yeah, lead stories. Yeah. Those guys. Um so like that's concerning because So you know <laughs> so when I say what how did that get into my eyeballs? Well, it came from government funding and military funding is how it got into my eyeballs. Yeah. That's how lead stories got into my eyeballs is the the US government military arm, propaganda arm fact-checked an ancient medical journal and lied. And lied a lot. This is our last show of 2021. And we'll be back in January with um, maybe a different focus. The Corona narrative has been a great uh, roller coaster ride. And, uh, uh, but it feels like it's starting to feel, it's like the, it's like a series on the third season. The third season is always like, it starts to get successful, and then they hire new writers who are relatives of the producers, and then everything you know sort of goes to hell. I feel like that's where we are in the corona narrative. It's, it's worked great so far, and now they're going to get sloppy, and it stops being as interesting as it was before. So uh, maybe, hopefully, over the holidays, we'll move into a new iteration of fuckery that we can then draw parallels between and hopefully start having feelings about it enough to do something about it. That's the sort of, I don't know, general plan. Maybe for those that are listening and watching, take a moment before you leave the show to tell us like what you learned this year. What's the big lesson that showed up for you in the course of 2021? A lot of people have different feelings about 2021, about what it was to them. I had a pretty good time for the most part, even though it's a crazy narrative going on and all that. I wasn't having a bad time. Mark French says, Rand Corporation did good work and showed a $50 trillion transfer of wealth from the 90% to the 1% from 1975 to 2018. So make that $56 trillion now. Yeah, so their budget, they're a good return on the investment, it seems like. He also says, please get into the illegal prosecution of Julian Assange. It oh, put, God. It puts shows like yours at risk. It does. Yeah, we're definitely at risk. <laughs> um, not, we're obviously not that risky because yeah. we're still here. 
And thanks for everybody who's paying attention to us. And thanks for not being a bunch of people because then. <laughs> yeah, I like how you guys strategically only show up in tens and twenties. Yeah, instead we appreciate of like, This is a part of the plan. Like all 500 of you watched all at once, Facebook would have to can us. This is how we can still operate out in the open. Okay, so. Darren in Ireland says, guys, I learned to love everyone, and I truly do on a base level, even when I perceive they do bad things. This situation hurts a lot, but there uh. has been a lot to learn. Right. I think this has been a tremendous year for sort of... Um, it sounds like you're talking about compassion. Sociology. That's, that's really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I've learned to have a lot of compassion for people. And in order to have compassion for people, I had to find a way to accept that I have the ability, I have intellectual or psychotherapeutic abilities that not everybody has, mm. which means that I can learn and grow and evolve in ways that some people don't have access to because they haven't learned those things or they're too traumatized or whatever. And I have to accept that without being egotistical in order to have compassion for someone. Otherwise, I'm just going to get mad at them for not learning and growing like I'm learning and growing. I think it's amazing that our friend in Ireland found the show. And I, I thanks for, st he's just been sticking in for the whole show. I love it. Thank you. We normally only do about two hours. I appreciate sticking around for the show. Yeah, we're just having a good time here. And yeah. thanks for participating in, in, in the thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's funny how you found us. And <laughs> yeah, I think Mark, he found, he found Dark. He Googled Dark after watching Saved by the Bell. And like, who, who the fuck is that guy? And what, where is he now? Um, and and then he just tuned in, and here we were. Here we are. Um, because of Saved by the Bell, <laughs> and I kept, I couldn't help. You can't be mad, man. After a couple of hits of the joint, I was sort of like, like, what are the odds that like he's like has this perspective, and then just tunes into some guy that was acting badly thirty years ago, and then here we are, like having a nice. Sort of and wanted to look you up and bonding conversation where we feel like we're on the same page mm -hmm. and there's a sort of sense of like usually when you like find some celebrity there's some asshole it's always been the thing like, <laughs> like oh god I wish I'd never met him because then <laughs> thanks for sticking around for the show and thanks for following us yeah that's fun appreciate you we'll do a uh, say by the bell special edition and I'll I'll tell you the story of what happened the behind the scenes did I ever actually kiss Kelly. Oh. <laughs> uh, there used to be a blog article about like what happened to all of Kelly's paramours. Like someone had hypothesized right. like uh, they dated for three weeks, but then it fizzled out because Dark's character like moved to England or something. You know, it was like there was a in the early days of Facebook, there was a Facebook fan page called Thanks I Love Rolls which was one of the lines that I uttered woodenly in that episode. <laughs> and it just became a Facebook page where people who loved Say by the Bell would congregate and talk about it based off the line of my guest star character. That's so sweet. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's, it, you're evolving your memories, my dear. Yeah, I still get uh, residual checks. I get uh, sometimes $12 check. I think I got like a $23 check, last one. Uh, Darren says, yeah. that would honestly be awesome. What, what part? If you did a Saved by the Bell episode. <laughs> I'd have to make another cocktail. Just do one right now. <laughs> no, we have to do it separately and talk about it in advance. We have to tell that Instagram lady that tagged you in a photo a couple weeks ago. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are so funny and so honest. Can't wait to watch more. Didn't you want to build a map? Oh, God. I don't know if we can do it. No? Like, you're, you're, well, you're quitting 45 minutes post? No, no, no. 
That's fine. I might just have to. Stre- I'd be happy to go eat. I like eating. I know. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. Like we could take a break. No. We could play that guy, Steve Kirsch. It doesn't work. It no. doesn't work like that. No. Sorry. This is an experiment to see if we would actually be able to do 12 hours without cocaine. Um, I would have to prepare for 12 hours. We would show. have to have friends in the studio, I think, who right. also like talking. Right. Get the, get the uh, peanut gallery together. <laughs> Put some friends on the couch and give them a camera and a microphone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Cut to them and they have awesome commentary. Um, Drinks all around. Yeah, we'll do a special Saved by the Bell episode. So, so, so let's like talk. Like us, follow us 38, on Facebook. 38 episodes. Get the alert. What? From this season? Yeah, 38. Yeah. This is the end of season two. That's right. We're going to stream. You know we're going to stream over Christmas and New Year's. There's oh, too much shit. Yeah. We're not going to not come talk to you guys. Post-Orthodoxy special edition. Yeah. Yeah. In-betweener shit, you yeah. know. <laughs> Post-Orthodoxy booster shot. Ah, no. <laughs> Just a little something to get you through the holidays. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Put that on a bummer sticker. Safe and effective. Hmm. I am. I'm just gonna. We should. We, that should be our byline. Post orthodoxy, safe and effective. Safe and effective. It's not really safe though. Well, it just like depends. we specifically do. We could, un, we could like, say safe and effective. <laughs> I guess it depends on your definition of safe. It's definitely yeah. not comfortable. Yeah. We definitely don't talk about things comfortably. It, it will not put undue wear on your tires. Mark says, I can't do anything for 12 hours without cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even live. <laughs> no, I hear you. No, I'm thinking like, oh, gosh, what do we what do? We do? We, can, we get a marathon. <laughs> it's an uplifting booster for sure, says Darren. We've been planning on doing like a, like a, a marathon to start promoting the... The web page and, and the subscription model mm-hmm. and getting some people in, just get getting some people in the door and then having more of a conversation with people, being able to um, play with our technology over 12 hours and say, mm-hmm. hey, somebody wants to Skype in. Somebody wants to like zoom in from Uruguay. And yeah. then I'm like, well, how do we do it? And then we could have a guest on the show. Suddenly I want to do like an exploratory open house. We could post do that. orthodoxy where we're just like, we could bring people on the camera. Like, like, Hey, does anybody know anybody who does Hugo cultures? Like, yeah, I know this guy in Germany that we wake him up and then zoom him in and have like a free flowing sort of like test the capacity of the, I know that we could do the that. web of the show. I don't know to, if I could stay awake to do that. I would need to get one of those cushy mats for under my feet. We need to have one of those like uh, TV things that just puts up the like elevator music. Yeah, but then you lose all your streamers. We'll Maybe it, it could be slightly pornographic. <laughs> Slow motion cleavage jiggle or something. Oh, That's legal, and then you know? people would stay. Oh, they would totally stay. Yeah, then they would stay. And then we'd come back and then they would leave. Oh, they'd be like, you know what <laughs> I need to go do now is watch some more yeah. porn. <laughs> <clears throat> now that you've got it in my mind. Mm. Uh, we 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 before we officially started post orthodoxy, we when we the very first show that Dark and I produced together was called Copacetic Conversations, and it included a friend of ours from South Africa who was really the star of the show, Mokaimo Lope, and he would talk. Uh, he would interview Americans 
uh, with strong beliefs. So we interviewed a Catholic priest and a pro-lifer lady, and we interviewed an Antifa guy and a Republican voter that had five daughters and was a total feminist. Libertarian. Libertarian. Blue dog Democrat. Yeah, we interviewed. So he would interview people with strong opinions and be like, how can you have strong opinions and also not be an asshole to people? You know, like, how do we talk about difficult subjects in a productive way? Um, and then he had to go back to South Africa. And <laughs> we were like, what do we do? Um, and we... Dark was like, you know, our life is so weird. We should just do a vlog, a journal every night. And me being me, I can't like just do something for no reason unless I, you know, like a whole plan. And so it, it, what we never did do the vlog. Well, the vlog was actually just for us. I just I wanted know. to start like, like so much shit happens. But every I was day. like, if we're going to do this, if we're going to sit with a camera and talk about our weird day, we should stream it because mm. that's stuff that people tune in for. And then we could have followers. And so then it became a whole thing. And then we didn't do it as much. But that w- <laughs> that's what I do. That so was that a was breakfast in bed with Freud. Coffee in bed with Freud. Oh, yeah. That's so we did co- coffee in bed with Freud. And it was a little salacious. I wore 90s and things. And yeah. every single stream, somebody would ask if Dark was my daddy. Yeah. Um, no, dad. Father. Daddy was a different. Dad, yeah, father. A different is that your father? Is that yeah. your dad? Right. Um, so that was kind of funny. But um, then we kind of officially, officially turn. Uh, we're like, no, no, post orthodoxy. We're gonna do it. Right. We're gonna talk about our lives, just with more clothing on. Yeah. Um, but I'd be perfectly happy. <laughs> I'd be perfectly happy to wear um, online appropriate levels of clothing and eat snacks for twelve hours if we could find a way to do it without me wanting to go to sleep. I I, I watched us eating things, and I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> Mark says, you two have definitely taught me the stop being a condescending prick part of conversing. Oh, nice. That's kind of a working goal for me all the time. It's a meditation. It's my Zen sort of like, okay, how do I not be a cunt? (laughs) God damn it. I'm so ready to do that right now. The problem is, I mean, you can think, name the number of times that someone has belittled you into changing your mind. Name the number of times that someone someone has come at come at you and told you what a piece of shit you are. And you've been like, you know what? You're right. Oh my God. Wow. I really should change my mind. You know what? You've called me libtard 27 times. And really the 28th time I finally got, I finally started thinking about what it means to be a libtard. And if I am one (laughs) and I want to become whoever you are. Yeah. Who keeps calling me that name. I would just, thanks for finally sticking with me. So I have friends on all sides of the political spectrum in the U.S. who just shit talk each other online all the time. And uh, this has definitely been something I've been talking with people about this week. It's really funny because even some of the people who I see shit talking, the people on the other team are like, you're right. We can't belittle people into changing their minds. And I'm like, you're one of the people doing it. (laughs) But you, you don't see it because you think, a certain kind of person is okay to be a cunt to. Right. And you think that's going to solve the problem. They're going to keep living. It doesn't matter what the issue is. It could be racism, homophobia, like Nobody's gen- ever shamed issues. me into compliance. No. It could be political, financial, like parenting styles. It doesn't matter. what if you, If you let a human get to a certain point where it's just okay to shit talk them, you're not solving the problem. Anyway, might yes. be complicating it a little bit. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> All right. How are you feeling, dear? You want to end on a high note? We can end on a high note. When are we going to come back? Let me look at my calendar. 
officially. So Christmas is on Saturday. Everybody just take a deep breath. <laughs> we just have to decorate uh, our co-host. Oh yeah, Hang we'll some put Christmas on lights her. on her. Yeah. So Christmas is on Saturday, and then New Year's Eve, New Year's is the next Saturday. So we are two Saturdays away from 2022. God bless you all. We're gonna make it. Um, uh, do you want to? You wanna you wanna come back on the second for an official restart of season three? Here's sure. some things we're gonna do over break. I have a backlog of podcasts that I want to these live streams that I want to turn into audios. We're on Spotify now. You can yeah. find post orthodoxy. Yeah, on you Spotify. can share with your friends that are like, I know I really just like podcasts. And you can just share yeah. our podcasts with people, but yeah. I'm like five weeks behind. Because some people are like, hey, tell me about a podcast. You could say, well, there's a, a post orthodoxy podcast. Yep. Yep. So you can. That's out there. Spot- Apple, Spotify, mm-hmm. Google Music, Google Amazon Music. Music. Oh wow! There, are, there are a couple. I still haven't gotten the Apple one yet because they keep not sending me the email that I need. Oh, or maybe it's going to your spam folder. I don't know. Right. But yeah, so I, we're going to convert the live streams to podcasts and catch up on old podcasts. I'm going to convert all of my Jolly Roger Kids Talk Radio shows to podcasts, so I can start sharing those with the kids that produce them. Now right. that KBMF has killed the Jolly Roger. Um, those shows should live on for the sake of the kids that produce that content for their community. Mm. So that's going to be one of my projects. We need to make business cards so that um, when people are like, what do you do? I'm like, I do this thing. Here you go. (laughs) Um, And what what are some of your goals for the mid-season, for the uh, season two to season three break? Oh, for the break? I figured it'd be good to sort of design a plan that would uh, sort of catalyze the growing unease in the majority of the country to uh, realize that we have more in common than not and that the illusion was fun for a while but no longer necessary so that we could be having a better time with each other more often next year. So like in practical terms, is that like a blog article or? (laughs) Yeah, I'm working on a piece for my sub stack. It'll be out next week. (laughs) (laughs) Xavier.substack.com. It's mostly written. Um, I like the idea of trying to find solutions. One of the solutions that yeah. I'm going to be researching and sharing a lot on the post-Orthodoxy Facebook page and on Twitter is some of these protocols about how people can support their cardiovascular systems mm. in light of what the mRNA shots are doing to some people's cardiovascular systems. I have a lot of friends that I'm really worried about, and I want people to take care of themselves. You know, a lot of people who took the shots for really good reasons and are now at risk of having a fucking aneurysm. How many uh, COVID funerals have I gone to? Zero. Yeah. I've gone to zero. I've, I've known people who know people who've died of COVID. On yes. Thing, right? I know of people. And I'm but only speaking, I'm, I'm speaking in my very specific, my lived experience. Well, but you right? have I'm thousands not saying, of friends all over the planet. I have friends all over the planet. So I'm not saying this is the experience. I'm saying my experience, yeah. my cognitive privilege, is that I don't have any cl- people close to me who died from COVID so far. So I've been very fortunate in that way. Yeah, I have had somebody who um, is has died now who had a blood clot four days after her booster. Causation or correlation, I do not know, but... 
it sends up a flag to me because it is becoming an increasing story that these are things that occur shortly after people have been having their boosters. And you're so. not going to find it on Facebook, but you can find these stories on Twitter. There is a person oh, yeah. that you can follow an account called They Say It's Rare on Twitter. You can look at this account without having a Twitter account. She has been collecting stories from real humans who have been talking about their friends and loved ones' experiences with having cardiac arrest, aneurysms, lymph node explosions, autoimmune problems, skin diseases, all sorts of things from as react direct reactions from getting their shots. These are real things that are happening. Now, we will probably never see the true numbers on how much vaccine injury there is from these COVID treatments. But there are stories of it happening, and you, you can know about them, and you can use them as a tool to introduce reasonable doubt to your loved ones. Anecdotal evidence. Yeah. Twitter, they say it's rare. Yeah. I, uh, this lady's been at it for just barely a, like a couple of weeks, 10 days, something like that, and she's collected over... Over 5,000, 6,000 stories. She first, will probably eventually be kicked off of Twitter. She has 16,000 followers at this point. <clears throat> and she has a telegram as a backup. Mm. So t.me slash they say it's rare. I'll share that in our thread. Thank you. Everybody on Twitch, Yeah, friend me back. Everybody on Facebook, drop one last salacious emoji on that video. Um who 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 ain't be my friend? Who ain't be my friend? Painfulest on Twitch ain't be my friend. So yeah, you can like us on uh, Twitch, Ladybug, Facebook. Mm-hmm. All of those things are free things that Twitter. you can do that really help us a lot. Um, and then if you'd like to do something that's not free, you could throw some bucks at us on postorthodoxy.com over the Christmas break as a Christmas present yeah. or a New Year's resolution end, end as Mark, year gift. Mark French said, a New Year's resolution. Yeah, we have been... Uh, I'm, more and more I'm thinking about this idea of you are what you eat being applied to your head. You have to know uh, what what mama bird's going to puke into your mouth for your <laughs> for your... For your informational intake. And you got to know where that shit's coming from. What kind of processing is in it? What kind of additives have been thrown in there? Like, where are you getting the shit that feeds your head? You need to know your sources. And we do not um, present ourselves as a source of information for you as much as we are trying to show you our process of sourcing information. Because we can't just go to MSNBC and apparently NPR or any of our other trusted institutions and trust that we're going to get informed about what the hell's going yeah. on. So we have to find other sources. And so we, this is a clearinghouse for us to show that this is some guy that I've been watching. This is somebody else who seems to have uh, an impressive CV. Yeah. At, they don't seem to be funded by a government or military source. Right. They seem to be fairly transparent. And, and so that's what we're doing here. And we like to share that with people who are looking to... Um, be aware of what they feed their heads. Yeah. Uh, so we appreciate everybody who's tuned in today's show. I never know how to, we don't have the, we have the song sign off, right? Mama bird brain puke. Yeah. Mark French says God. the new manufacturer of consent or the new Thomas Paine freedom up to you. Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine. Yeah. See the guy. Yeah. He's a guy. Are you ready to be done? I'm playing the song. Miss you guys. Have a happy uh, holiday. Happy darkest part of the year. Aloha. Thank you for visiting our outpost in the borderlands. 
Post-Orthodoxy is a project of Sevier Studios. We host ongoing, interactive conversations centered around cognitive liberty, and you can join in by catching one of our live streams on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. You can also catch each conversation after the fact as a podcast by searching for Post-Orthodoxy wherever podcasts are found. If you take value from the work we are doing and the community we are building together, you can support the outpost in the borderlands for as little as $5 a month on our website, BetterTime. That's betterti.me. Visit the Sevier Studios page and subscribe. You can also support The Outpost by following and connecting with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and or Substack. Our post-Orthodoxy theme music was composed by Frank Pascal, and a special thanks goes to our voice actors, Amelia, Colin, Zbo, Rosie, Gabo, Vicky, Mokai, and Tony. Thanks for playing. outside your reality bubble. I think I dribbled a bit that last one.